Eine Frage. Wie schnell war der Aufschlag? 150 km/h. Wie lang war der Drive? 229 Meter. Wie lange hast du geschlafen? Oh, 7 Stunden 54 Minuten. Letzte Frage. Trainierst du deinen Körper und deinen Geist mit der Achtsamkeit? Ja, genau das mache ich. Wir alle haben Fragen. Und die neue Apple Watch Series 7 hat die Antworten. Auf dem bisher größten und fortschrittlichsten Display. Die Zukunft der Gesundheit am Handgelenk. Lieferengpässe möglich. Erfordert ein iPhone 6S oder neuer App aus dem App Store. Abo erforderlich. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves a bit of shithousery. We do indeed. Now, Chelsea faced their first real test of the season against Liverpool at Anfield on Saturday. It was all going well. We'd weathered the predictable early storm. Anfield had returned to its usual silence. Havertz had put us 1-0 up with a superb header. And then, three words. Anthony fucking Taylor. The fact that Reese James handled the ball leading to Salah scoring the penalty to make it 1-1 is not in doubt. But the fact that Taylor then sent him off is at the least debatable, as is the fact that he refused to book Fabinho and Matip for repeatedly fouling Chelsea players or Salah for booting the ball away. It's reached the point with Taylor now where we should not just be questioning his competence to referee, but to wonder if there might be corruption at the bottom of all of this. If anything... This mind-boggling excuse for a referee galvanised Chelsea into an us-against-the-world spirit, aided and abetted by some intelligent tactics and substitutions by Thomas Tuchel. So resolute, disciplined, astute, tenacious and downright bloody-minded were Chelsea that Liverpool hardly had a clear goal-scoring chance for the entire second half when we were down to ten men. If this was indeed a test, then Chelsea passed it with flying colours. But more than that, it looks like under Tuchel, the old indomitable title-winning Chelsea is back with a healthy dose of unity, leadership and shithousery. And I, for one, absolutely love it. Chelsea Fancast number 834, we know what you are. I'll leave that to your imagination. Is that a reference to Taylor? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Now, as I said, you can make up the rest. I'm just going to yeah. give you, we know what you are. JK, my dear, my dear old thing, how the devil are you? Uh, devilish, Chidge, devilish. Good, very good to be on the show. Um, uh, went to Anfield, uh, hugely enjoyable. The away support is phenomenal, phenomenal passion. Oh, goodness me. I, 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 the, the non-stop singing and encouragement of the team is... Uh, mind-boggling i completely take my hat off to them absolutely brilliant brilliant and particularly um keeping going because we there was a terrible moment where we just thought oh well, that'll be the end of that they'll score a hatful and there was a lack of energy after the sending off but then the second half was a completely brilliant performance and uh you know we'll get around to it but his as you said his substitutions were were fantastic and um and the way that the team uh, knuckled down to a superb rearguard action was uh, absolutely breathtaking. It was a breathtaking performance. And it was, um, uh, I loved being part of the, the crowd in the 
uh, away end, buoying the team up. It was absolutely superb. Absolutely right. Now, you did another one of your little Chelsea fan bites, which went down beautifully. Thank Uh, you. A lot of love for that. Well, it's, you know, I've got two minutes, so I just try and, you know, somebody described me as being, it was like a, um, it's like a 10-year-old who's come back from school and is trying to describe something very quickly to their parents. <laughs> and uh, and the same thing, I like the, the two-minute restriction on it, which uh, just makes me very, very focused about it. So, uh, Well, mate, people are loving them. They're loving thank, them and you, and it's about well, time. I, thank you very much. So it's sweet no, it's lovely. Now, who have we got on the show tonight, JK? Well, we have the, the, uh, the immensely um, erudite and... Uh, um, voluble and uh, interesting and um, superb with his involvement with the Supporters Trust, Mr Dan Silver. Thank you for very kind words. It's good to be here. Yeah, Dan, Dan is the man. He is, he is. And, uh, and were, you on, um, were you on Radio 5 again the other day? No, I was on um, BBC News. Oh, BBC oh, News. I, oh, right, yeah, right. I was um, talking about the uh, Safe Standing campaign um, with the government announcing is going to probably be coming through so i was interviewed um live on on uh, where we call it bbc news or bbc news 24 where it's called now yeah 24 yeah yeah well, excellent good stuff I'm, I'm very pleased that they're 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 coming to you for opinion because you're you're very good at it so yeah, they've, they've had enough of mine thankfully appreciate, appreciate that jk thank you <laughs> i've been <laughs> fired they ring the changes, Chidge. I don't think it was the pissed one was the problem, wasn't it? Wasn't no, no, it? that was that was uh, Absolute oh, Radio. Or, no, that was, was L- absolute... LBC. That was LBC. Oh, was it? Okay. And that was years ago. Sorry, I do apologise to refer to that. No. Sorry, sir. A- A- absolute Radio, I, I, I longed off because Ian Wright, who I actually quite like, it has to be said, uh, but he compared me, he said, you're like a Chelsea version of Piers Morgan, which I took very personally. Very unfair. Yeah. Anyway, who else have we got on the show tonight, well, JK? I'm going to give you a little bit of the tune. It is, of course, that similarly um, erudite and uh, um, literary and writer and uh, um, uh, bon viveur, bon savant, um, <laughs> Mr. Clayton Beerman. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, chaps. Hello, Lovely Clayton. to be here. Yeah, good to see you as Sorry. always. The housewife's choice. I didn't say didn't it. Didn't you say it? No. We don't need to. We don't need to with the tune if we sing the song. That's true. Exactly true. right. Uh, so there we go. Uh, some people would call this the dream team. I couldn't possibly comment, but they're all very lovely, and I'm very delighted to see them on this auspicious evening, uh, which, of course, is not a Monday night. It's Tuesday night, thanks to the uh, now well-established Mrs. Chidge's bank holiday podcasting banning order which I am subject to for an entire 24 hours on a bank holiday Monday. But we're on a Tuesday, and that's okay. Now, on the show tonight, we'll be discussing whether Rhys James should have been sent off and analysing Anthony fucking Taylor's appalling history of poor decisions against Chelsea. Is he incompetent or corrupt? We'll round part one off with a chat about how heroically resilient Chelsea were to get a 1-1 playing against 12 men. Uh, In part two, we look at, Havertz's goal aside, why our attacking players are taking time to gel. Uh, We ask, is Tuchel the new messiah? And we wrap up with the latest transfer news as it comes in. We're all obviously wearing yellow ties tonight in honour of the fact that this is transfer deadline day. Uh, I've I've been busy working all day. I have no idea what's going on, but uh, 
thankfully I have a mobile phone which can tell me so we'll keep you up to date you'll probably be keeping us to d- up to date in fact that's probably how it will work uh, in part three we've got the results of this week's fannies uh, which I can't wait for for the Liverpool match and uh, the third round the uh, results of our Prem Predictions League uh, and in part four, we've got some emails to read out. They're coming in thick and fast now. People have remembered that we're back and they're now sending us in emails. It's great. So there we go. Now, as ever, don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 p.m., apart from when it's a Tuesday, uh, by going to MIXLR, Mixler to its friends, which is MIXLR.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you already are. Who have we got in the house today? The lovely Bob Oosray. Uh, David Hurst, if she don't come, Blue Bloke, Super Dan, Harry, Mr. Stick, the legend that is Mr. Stick, the who of course owns the Chelsea Fancars Discord group because he's very happily telling everybody, of course, love him to pieces. Touring Blue, uh, who else we got in? I know oh, the lovely Diana's there. Uh, always lovely to see Diana and Steve and uh, Claire. Oh goodness me, they're all in tonight. So lovely to see you all. I will try and. Uh, correspond with you while we're doing the show, JK. Is there a chant for Mr. Stick? Um, Should there not be one like, Stick, 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 Stick? Oh, Sticky, Sticky. I think we can do better than that. We'll think of one for him. And I tell you what, when we thought of one for him, we will we will sing it on the show, all right? Good. Okay, good. good stuff. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, which, of course, is normal, uh, really, for this show... Um, we're referring really to, to Chelsea Fancast has a Discord group, uh, which I'll tell you all about later. But if you are a Patreon of Chelsea Fancast or you're in the Prem Predictions League, then I automatically invite you to the Discord group. And it is hilarious fun. There's lots of little channels we have about everything under the sun. And uh, there's really good people in there. It's like a, it's kind of like a benign version of Twitter, really. I mean, everybody's basically... <laughs> Pretty, pretty. I did tell Stick to fuck off last night, but apart from, I mean, I'm usually the grumpiest in there. But actually, everybody's really nice and happy. In, a, in a good way, in a nice way. No, not really. Yeah, well, actually, no. I was joking because I did put the grinning face next to it. It's, it's a, it's a joke. You have to have been there to really appreciate it. But anyway, um, all right, okay. So that's about that uh, for Mixler. And of course, you know, you can get hold of us at Chelsea Fancast on all your social media. And we will be back in a minute to talk about the Liverpool match. Okay, so, uh, what a, I mean, I have to say, I mean, it, it was, it was, I, I mean, I was watching it at home, which wasn't quite the same as it was for you, JK, but it was, it was tense, mate. It was very, very, very tense. I'm, I'm delighted to say that, uh, you know, we got the lineup almost spot on on Friday. I'm astonished. I mean, we, we, uh, I had Chilwell in instead of Alonso, but I did say at the time I had a feeling Alonso might play. So, you know. And Alonso was fabulous. Well, they all, they all were, but let's, let, let can we let's start with the? I mean, as you are our resident referee, yes, okay, yes, you are, yes. you are our rever- reverend as well as resident. Um, yes. I've been a good boy and actually done some homework uh, on this. Um, so we want to talk about James. That was the key moment of the game. I've actually printed out in the notes 
the actual official laws yeah, of the yeah, game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sky, of course, picked out the bits of it that uh, really just validated their view that Chelsea are scum and any decision against them was obviously okay. Um, I mean, number one, it, it was obviously a penalty, right? Yeah, yeah no doubts. Okay. Yeah. Now, for me, the... Um, the the crux of it, well, I I was pissed off about two things really. One well, is, can I just can I just dispute that slightly? Sorry, well, but, but it definitely being a penalty. Yeah, because if you remember in the cup final last year, Tuleman scored the goal by somebody or one of the other players. The ball was hit at him, hit him on the knee, went up and hit his hand. Yeah, but he wasn't in the penalty area. No, no, no. But I'm talking about whether it was. Considered... No, no, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I'm not there. No, 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 but this, this is this is still relevant because yeah, it, I know it is. It would say that it wasn't. You could it's, still. It was accidental and therefore shouldn't have been a penalty. It's one of those things where if it's in the penalty box, it's given. But anywhere else, no. Sorry, if it's not, if it's out on the field. It's normally not given. I, I just. Yes, it, yes, that's it, exactly it, the point. Hand, exactly definitely. The point. You know, no, but we're yeah. all saying you're saying Chidge's your premise initially is it was definitely a penalty. Well, no, it wasn't definitely a penalty. This is my my surmise. I'm sorry to interrupt your flow. No, no, okay. I mean, I like it. This is this is good. Because in the Liverpool, in the Liverpool, in the um, the game against Leicester City, but that wasn't the, in the penalty area. No, it doesn't matter. If it We're hit talking... his hand in the penalty area, they would have given a penalty. They probably would have done, but erroneously, it's a mistake. They, they, they're not being consistent. Well, shall I read you? Shall I read you the law? Shall I? No, re- no, I shall I read the law? Shall I? Shall I? Shall I law you? Okay. This is this is what it says We're about ham- denying denying them a goal. No, 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 no. Let me just read it. Let me just read it. This is this is handball handling the ball. All right. Uh, for the purpose of determining handball offences, the upper boundary of the arm is in line with the bottom of the armpit, blah, blah, blah. It is an offence if a player deliberately touches the ball with their hand arm, including moving the hand arm towards the ball, right? Um, Now, what I don't understand... So, I mean, let let me just lay out the premise here. I think what Taylor did was he saw or he believed that the ball had hit his arm and then when he went to VAR which he didn't check properly he didn't check it properly because all he was interested in was whether it had hit his hand in his arm in his ear he's being told it's a penalty yeah that's exactly well. so that's what I think he might have been given duff information there because I think everybody you know obviously most of us lot were going hang on hang on hang on you know surely he has to have deliberately uh, handballed it how can you tell that he deliberately handballed it particularly when it came off his thigh, yes. but I think actually the and the weird thing is is the actual uh, the the footage shows that his arm does move towards the ball. So if actually Taylor had seen the entire video clip, yes. he could have rationally awarded a penalty because it showed that his hands moved to the ball. But he didn't. He just saw the bloody still where the ball was at his hand. It's odd because it's because he's been told by VAR that it's a penalty. Right. They nearly every time they go to the screen, the reason they go to the screen is they say that the that is that is what happened. Just go and check. But that is what happened. So I, I'm sorry that it's my, my relevance to the Leicester game is still sorry. My 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 just my idea about the Leicester game is still relevant. I you haven't given me an opportunity to say it yet that Dan wants to say something. Yeah, I was going to say there was some talk that it was actually in motion as he was walking towards the screen, but you can't make a decision that quickly on one viewing in such an important match. You have to at least look at it once or twice, let's be absolutely sure. Something like that, two, three viewings, look at it again. He literally went there, looked at it, turned around, did his decision. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. Because he's been told in his ear by whoever, the, whoever it was. Yeah, no, but he, that's the point is he, No, but he doesn't, he's almost doing that as a sop, isn't he? Because well, they, yeah, he's doing it because he's forced to, to do, but, he's done the old... to go to 
the screen. He's not. Yeah, he's not. He's been told already. He handled it on the line. It's a pen. You got it wrong. OK, I'll have a look. It doesn't really matter what I'm looking at. Oh, yeah, there he is handling it. It's a it's a penalty. Yeah, but so my, point point... Being, my point being a goal was scored in the cup final <laughs> with when the player doesn't matter. We talk it doesn't mention anywhere in the laws of the game where this is. <laughs> it's just saying other than uh, uh, denies the opposing team a goal. But this is deliberately touches the ball with their hand or arm, do, moving the hand arm towards the ball. The guy in the cup final, it hit him on the knee, hit his hand, he controlled it, he passed it to Tweelemans and Tweelemans scored. I'm going to put, I'm gonna have to put my hand up here, which is not how it's supposed to work. But you're right, OK, JK, because this is what I don't get about their law. I want you, as a guy who knows the law, because you yeah. qualify referee... Yeah. It says it's an offensive if the player deliberately touched the ball with their hand arm, including moving the hand arm towards the ball. So uh -huh. I think that Taylor thinks that he's deliberately handballed it. All right. And then it says later on, except for the above offences, it is not offensive. The ball touches a player's hand arm directly from the player's own head or body, which is your point about Telemans and all of that. Yeah. Yes. So it's an absolute bugger's muddle. And, and, and I haven't even got to the sending off yet, but it seems to me to contradict each other. Clayton's got his hand up. And we haven't heard from him, so I'd love to hear from him. Right, so the, there's there's two things. As far as penalties are concerned, challenges outside the box sometimes aren't given in the box. And you basically, the number of times you say, if that was anywhere else other than the penalty area, it'd be a free kick. It's just the way it is. I'm not saying it's right. When that happened on Saturday... I basically said before all of the kerfuffle, I said, that's a penalty and a sending off. Now, that's potentially, that was my first instinct, and that's potentially because I don't know the rules of football. No, but you're, you're uh, right. You're right, according to the rules I've got in front of me, mate. Absolutely well, that, 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 was, that was my first reaction. So I think that the point is that Dickhead got to the, the right conclusion, but he didn't get to it in the correct way. I don't have a problem with either the penalty or the sending off. I mean, I do have a problem in the way that he arrived at it. I do have a problem in the way that he so dismissively didn't look at the screen. That's, that is my problem with him. And we'll come on to all the other inconsistencies and what's happened over, over the years. But my first reaction was, that's a penalty and that's a sending off. If that would have been against us, I would have been outraged if it hadn't happened the other way. And I, 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 I'm sorry, I've, but, but I, I don't see any argument against that. That ball was going in, his arm came out, it stopped it going in. Yeah. It, it was a penalty and it was a sending off for, okay. from my perspective. Okay. Dan? Sorry, you know, sorry, yeah, sorry, 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 Dan. Clayton, go on, finish. Sorry, mate. No, no, no. I just, so, so from that perspective, my biggest bugbear was the fact that fucking Mendy, who I think is an absolute god and a great goalkeeper, didn't fucking totally wipe out Marcus Alonso when he went for the yeah. ball and just take the ball because that, that that was the biggest problem. It started the from there, that, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That that, that was it that was a complete balls up. Yeah. Just well, two points. Going back to Craig's point about Mendy, do you think there's a lack of communication? Yeah. That Mendy's not particularly vocal because he wouldn't run behind closed doors. You never really heard Mendy shout a lot. You know, it's difficult now with crowds, but maybe it's a, a lack of communication, possibly. But getting, yeah. getting the, the point is, it's like the, the double jeopardy rule. 
because you know we double punish. I mean, what I yeah, but that only know. applies. You see, here's the thing, Dan. Sorry to butt in, but it's important because this is what I've got in the yellow bits that I put in the notes. Right? Yeah. You're right. That's I. We all we were all screaming double jeopardy, and the trouble is, it's trumped if you yeah. handball. Right, denying the opposing team a goal, sending off offences, denying the opposing team a goal or an obvious goal-scoring opportunity by a handball offence. That trumps, you know, the double jeopardy of somebody fouling somebody on their way to scoring a goal. So it's the handball that's the issue. That's why he got so... I mean, you know, Clayton's right, and I hate to say this because I hate Taylor, but by the letter of the law, it was a penalty and a sending off, period. Okay, the only issue I have with it is... I, I think the deliberateness of it maybe should have come into it, but deliberateness doesn't seem to apply to the rules here, Dan. Yeah, I mean, my, my idea would be that this whole double jeopardy rule is penalty. If the team scores the penalty, you still on the pitch. If they miss a penalty, you get sent off. So you don't have that advantage. Yeah, but that's, the team but that's not how. That's not where the law is. No, that's no, the no I'm just saying that will be that will be if they're going to enhance the laws. Because there's a, there's a, a different there's a difference between. Here's the thing for me, and actually they said this on Talk Sport last night. They were actually quite good on it. Um, there's a massive difference between what Rhys James did, I think, and what Luis Suarez did in uh, the World Cup in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking yeah. saved yeah. the ball. He yeah. deliberately yeah. made a save. Rhys yeah. James basically freaked out because, I mean, that instant moment, it's about instinct. Yeah. And if a ball hits you on the thigh, your arms are out anyway because you're like that. You're bracing yourself. It's not going to... I mean, whether he did it deliberately or not, I don't know. He didn't, he didn't do it deliberately. No. Yeah, but if I don't know, and you don't know, and he doesn't know, and he doesn't know, how the fuck does Anthony Taylor know? No, he, he, did, he, he didn't do it deliberately. No, he didn't. He tried to he get didn't. it on his back. It, it, came, was the too, ball it was came too quick. Yeah, at that level, and it was uncomfortable. When he put it's his too quick. On. It hits your arm. If you, you try and sort of jump from one side to the other with your th- lifting your thigh up and see what happens with your arm. Your arm yeah, comes yeah, yeah. up because yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. Totally. But, I mean, it, it was unfortunate, and it's... It doesn't detract from the fact that that Taylor did lots of other stuff against us, and he was so quick to do it. And the fact that he didn't spend any time at all at the monitor. And you're right, JK, but, but you know, sort of Taylor, you know, we all perceive that he's, like most of these, like Mike Reed, is basically an egotistical twat. And it's all about them, and it's always all about them. Not, not the fact that, you know, there's 50,000 people coming to watch a football game. It's about them. And my perception is that when they're told to go over to the to monitor, it's a bit of a slap. It's like, oh, you got that wrong, mate. You know, and I, I suspect mentally they think, actually, I'd actually quite like to find a reason not to give it. Yeah, to like, show like that what I did. Yeah, to, you know, to show that my original decision was correct you know because you know nobody likes getting anything wrong in their job you know this is different I don't do anything instantaneous in my job but you know so it's fine it's like cricket we all love cricket and and it's like the umpires who are now because it's so ingrained in the game that that they're fine about if they you know if you think about the percentage of stuff they get right compared to the, the one or two that they get wrong it's it's a good way, and and, and and you know it's a clear and obvious error, and this was a clear and obvious error because Taylor missed it, and yeah. he didn't give a penalty. And to be fair to him, that is the law. Yeah, it is right. the law. 
Yeah. It is yeah. glory. So he was absolutely correct with that. But from all his other refereeing, what was it, 14 fouls? Chelsea only, only committed four fouls. Two yeah. bookings. Yeah. 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 Two, yeah. Fabinho. Fabinho and Matip yeah. were the absolute was, worst offenders. And so kicking the ball away. Actually, he was about... What happened was in that incident, he was about to book him and he had his hand in his back pocket and Henderson came over and gave him a volley of abuse as Henderson always does. Henderson was in his ear non-stop and in everybody's ear. He's just a nasty piece of work. Yeah, that's, that's what you want from your captain. You want that, that's what you want that. from your you captain. You want that, Jay. I've got no issue with that. You want JT, JT was always in people's ears the whole time. Well, Asprey's a it, lovely bloke, but he's not... He's not that way. Except, well, I find, I, I, find it, I suppose he's, there's a part of me that is, you know, wants it to be fairer and is slightly old school. You uh, know, that's not the way you do it. But it, it, no. it, it's, he is, what I don't understand is that his behaviour was so disruptive and so constantly abusive with everybody. You could see him going around with, to other players and giving them an earful. Why didn't Taylor come up and say, stop that, here's a yellow card? You know, it was... JT got yellow carded for doing that. Because he had a red shirt on. Exactly. And he wasn't allowed to book anybody that wore a red shirt. Let's get get into this because there's so many interesting things about this that I've dug up, Um, you know, beyond uh, his performance. I mean, actually, by the way, it was the it's the eighth red card we've had against Liverpool. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what part Klopp, played in all of this with his meltdown last week about refereeing very very Ferguson stroke Mourinho-esque that was but anyway we'll get back to that in a minute right Taylor he sent off three Chelsea players in his career Victor Moses in the 2017 FA Cup uh, final Matteo Kovacic in the 2020 Cup final and Reese James at Anfield on on Saturday he's given eight penalties against us to four given and only two occasions in nearly 10 seasons of refereeing Chelsea games has he not booked a Chelsea player in 90 minutes? And then, I mean, then there's the whole litany of all the other stuff, booking Alonso or trying, or basically when Lloris clattered Alonso, he was going to book Alonso for, for fuck knows what. And that got overturned by VR and was rightly a penalty. And I hope, and I think it might have been, been a sending off. But anyway, that was... No, it, but, was, it wasn't a sending off. No, no, it was, it was Gazaniga. Okay. Bloody, it, bloody, it was Gazaniga, you're right, wasn't it? Yeah. But there's others too. I mean, somebody put this up on Twitter. This is brilliant. Uh, Dali Ali jumps into Matteo Kovacic like a WWE move. Uh, Kovacic booked by Anthony Taylor. Arsenal. The Arsenal goalkeeper clearly caught the ball outside of the area. It was obvious from the first glance. No replay on TV. Taylor obviously says he caught it in the box. VAR did not check. So that's a missed handball. Chess, uh, against Southampton, Fabregas fouled in the box. Anthony Taylor gives a yellow oh, card yes. for diving. Uh, after the match, he apologies to Mourinho. This cost Chelsea a win. And in the FA Cup final against Arsenal, this is the uh, the one we... Well, we lost both of them, didn't we? But this is the first one. Uh, yeah. he, uh, Sanchez blatantly pushes the ball into the box with his hands, then scores. Goal was given, leading to Arsenal win. I mean, now, Clayton... Uh, I, I, luckily, I'd found it, funnily enough, before... Um, you alerted me to it, but I hadn't copied it and nicked it. So thank you for for pointing it out, if you see what I mean. Because Clayton and I found this brilliant bit of work. I don't know who did it. I'd love to credit them. It's a great piece of work. But they've done a whole table. You you guys have seen this because it's in the notes. But it's uh, over the last decade, uh, win percentages, points per match, and all this kind of thing uh, for Liverpool, Arsenal, United, City, Chelsea, right? Uh, we are second... Sorry, we're third. So we're uh, City of first, United 
are second and we are third in terms of points per match, right? Um, Anthony Taylor's last decade refereeing all of these teams, I'm presuming. And that it, it, it tells us the points difference, okay? Liverpool are plus 7.25. Arsenal plus 4.27. United plus 16.01. City minus 6.24. And Chelsea minus 11.8. Discuss. Not a lot to discuss. It's all black and white. <laughs> Isn't it just? Tell me you have an agenda without telling me you have an agenda. I mean... It's, it's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. I, I mean, it is quite selective because, you, you know, the, 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 the table hasn't got other teams in it. Um, but, you know, a swing, a swing between us and United of 27%. 27%. I mean, the, the thing is that it, I find it basically extraordinary that nobody, nobody in the higher echelons of either refereeing or the FA or Premier League or what have you, have, have basically ever sort of thought, why, why is this guy always getting these, or, you know, what, why are all these decisions being made? I mean, go back to the cup final, that cup final, the second one that we lost, that handball outside the area, that wasn't looked at. And as, and bizarrely, the TV never replayed it. Yeah, yeah. And Kovacic's second tackle oh. was not a foul. It was only because Xhaka screamed like a girl, yeah. all due deference and respect to girls. And basically, it wasn't a foul. And, and the fucker never even went to VAR. VAR was available. Every single opportunity this numbnuts has to screw us over, he takes. There, there is no, you know, I'd forgotten about the um, the Southampton one with with Sest. I mean, again, I didn't realise that was him, but it's just it's awful. And that, all of those, all of those decisions, and and we go back to the fact that the one on Saturday didn't get wrong, but the fact what he did get wrong was was the complete bias to not. I mean, booking both Mendy and Rudiger basically put them on double jeopardy for the whole of the second half when we were already down to 10 men. Just extraordinary. Why wasn't Henderson booked in that incident? Yeah, what? He's a protagonist. He's the one who made a, cause yeah. he made a big deal of it. But you see how he ran away as soon as the carpet came over. I've never seen yeah. someone treat so fast. But the problem is they're not going to put their, their own under the bus, are they? Tell us, in, 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 all these refs are generally really inept. It's cronyism, and they're just in the club. We've established that already. Yeah. They're well, not I mean, going to I mean, undermine the, the Euros just showed how poor our referees are. Yeah. I mean, Mike, Mike Reed on Sunday, again, with the Pogba challenge. You know, why, why wasn't that? Clayton, they might as well have had Mike Reed. Run around. Well, that's what I call him. But I mean, look. Here's the question, because you know, I, I've, 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 you know, long held the belief um, that a lot of our referees are just utterly. I mean, okay, I agree with J.K. The, you know, the whole kind of you know little elite club and all of that. I agree with the egos and the arrogance, and they like to make it all above them. But I think underlying all of that is just some absolutely gross incompetence. I mean, if, if you're getting decisions wrong that regularly, it must be because you don't know what you're doing. But I'm now beginning to wonder if actually, 
you know, the the tin the tin foil hat brigade might actually have it right, and there actually is corruption lying at the bottom of all of this because it's it's just too many examples to to just sweep under the incompetency carpet, J.K. Do you think? Do you reckon in terms of corruption? Do you think they're getting backhanders from the clubs? In Mate, some way? every every man has his price. Yeah, but then it's uh, is it the cabal that's getting backhanders? Because it just seems to me the the fact that they don't ever police themselves is just absolutely ludicrous. With the the obvious the obviousness of all of this bias, you know, Dan. That's my biggest issue. They're they're, they're completely unaccountable. The PJML. Once a blue moon, they'll apologise for a bad decision. They, they need to be more accountable. They need to come out and, you know, be interviewed after a match, explain stuff, or, or have some sort of social media presence where they can explain decisions. What they do, like in American football, when they turn on the mics and they say, you know, yeah. foul number six, yeah. do that. And that's the crowd. Because yeah. in American football, you have the whole thing like holding number seven. Well, as, as, you do in, as you do in rugby as well. It's yeah. it, Everybody is in on the decisions. And as a, as a consequence, you, your, your uh, admiration of the referee and the, and the linesman goes right up because you hear the, the process where he's analysing, yeah. I think there's a foul there. What do you think, he says to the, to the uh, we hear the, the VAR person, the, yeah. the, 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 the TMO as they're called. And the linesman and the ref, yeah. comes in and says... I saw this happen there. Right, we need to check that. It becomes part of the process as opposed then, to the kind of yeah. secretive, uh, almost Masonic environment where they just keep appearing every year and they, they're still the same pace. They're still 35 yards off. They're still making the same crap decisions. We still have this ridiculous anomaly where they can get something wrong on the field and VAR does not is not applied to it. So the ball will be hit round the corner by the goalkeeper who saves it and a goal kick is given. And you think, hang on, this is absurd. A corner would have just put pressure on it. You know, that was no, the pressure of the attacker. It changes game, doesn't it? So the, the idiocy of this, which I don't, I don't understand. I even, I sent a, I sent a, a, a tweet to Mark Halsey asking him, and he actually got back to me, but, but he, all he said was, no, that's the referees making decisions on the ground. Yeah, well, they get it wrong. Why can't we, I re- replied with, why can't we have VAR um, making these decisions? Of course, I got no reply whatsoever from him because I'm, I'm saying something that is obvious that they won't implement. I just do not understand. Well, does it mean that they feel they're being undermined because they can't then make their own decisions, which are, in free, which are frequently wrong, throw-ins wrong? They just have to look at the ball being kicked out, corners, even, even some, uh, um, uh, I mean, foul throws as well. There's, it's always they, they feel they have this have to have this element of control and freedom. No, I want to see the game being. If you've got VAR, do it correctly. It's 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 as you were saying, Chidge. It's uh, unbelievably important. If a team is in the ascendancy and a goalkeeper makes a decent save, the goalkeeper and the referee gives a goal kick. The pressure is off. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Dan, final word on refs. Yeah, I want to move yeah, it on. Yeah, the whole point is you can't have VAR for every single decision because you know. It, it, it would slow the game up too much. I think it's got to be used for important decisions, like you know, something, like something like that, something like a corner goal kick. Surely you can't. Yeah, have but, that but then you, then you, there's going to be like, oh, you know, every, every they're going to appeal. They, no, you know, you know nonetheless, it, it, it makes like takes, a, a, takes a second. Takes a second for the. Yeah, but then it, then it becomes too sanitised. Actually, it comes you got that wrong. It was a corner. No, I, I really think this is important. This, this. No, this, this, I, I think it comes to a point where you have to draw the line. It's got to be crucial decisions. I don't at all. I don't. Well, I mean, well, I mean, look. Just to wrap it up. I mean, I, 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 I kind of, I, I see, see what you're both saying, and I, I know what you mean, Dan. It, it, it elongates the game and all of that. But, 
I think JK's right. It, you know, the difference between a goal kick and a corner can be massive. If that side scores from a corner, which shouldn't have actually been a corner, that that's affecting the game. And I think that, therefore, that needs to be got right. Anyway, enough on refs, because there's so much more to talk about tonight. And all of it, from here on in, is positive. Yes, fuck Taylor. He's not going to ruin our night. Like, he didn't actually ruin the game. Well, I suppose he ruined the game as a contest, because I actually think we were looking good enough to win Dude, that match. Won. We'd yeah. have won. I think so too, Jake. I think my 2-0 in the Premier League predictions predictions would, would, have, would have come home. Been. Absolutely. So the bastard cost me points. Yeah. That's for yeah. starters. Anyway, the reality is, I, I, I mean, in a funny old way, I have to be honest, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm not glad it turned out because I much would have rather we won. But I think, I think that match and, and what happened in that second half has told us far more about Tom T- Tommy Tuchel and this team than just winning, you know, fairly comfortably 2-0 ever would. And 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 I think there's so much to be really just so chuffed about. I mean, the first one is is uh, is Tuchel's changes and the, the tactical changes as well as the subs. I mean, I know Kovacic came on uh because Kante went off injured, but I thought Silva was brilliant. I mean, to, I mean they had no real chances. I mean, the other thing they were defending at the cop end. So clearly they didn't manage to suck it in in the second half wankers i mean do you know basically it kind of reminded me of, of of barca in 2012 um you know all that leadership that tenacity and shithousing and basically i mean you mentioned it earlier dan lukaku stepping in when henderson was being gobby uh i just just love that standing up for it i've got this wonderful quote a couple of quotes here from the telegraph and uh henry winter and, and men in blazers on twitter they said if there's a fight in a chelsea game Guaranteed Rudiger will be in the middle of it. Loves it. He's that guy. Henry Winter was so effusive with his praise. And considering Henry's a Liverpool fan, Chelsea totally deserved this point. Ten determined men frustrate Liverpool. Christensen exceptional. Reading danger, calmly clearing. Rudiger, Jorginho, Mendy superb. Tuchel again showing what a good manager he is, reacting to all tactical challenges. And, uh, I mean, Mendy, uh, Mendy made six saves at Anfield. His most in a single Premier League appearance joining the Blues, which I think Mendy needs to be hugely credited with his performance and keeping those bastards out. And the last one was from the Telegraph. Uh, you know, lest there was any doubt, given their status as European champions, Thomas Tuchel's side are the real deal this year. A team is a reflection of their coach's personality. And when facing adversity, Chelsea absorbed the intelligence of Tuchel's enforced half-time reshuffle. This was classic Chelsea, skillful and streetwise, physical and tactically flexible, defensively resolute. The strongest Chelsea team for a long time, Klopp said afterwards. And I think that sums it up beautifully. Um, before I opine further, Dan's had his finger in the air and he's not checking which way the wind's blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just thought it was just such a calm, pragmatic, measured performance by the team. We kept Liverpool at arm's length for most second half, you know, Tico obviously went at half-time. The players were clearly riled up. He calmed them all down. He's got this aura about him that, you know, people listen to him, they buy into him. They played to team orders. Mendy's saves were all fairly routine. He wasn't particularly troubled. And the best best part was that, you know, having Rom kind of playing up there, he occupied the two centre-halves. So suddenly he was man-to-man. So we didn't really, weren't particularly overloaded at all because we had every single player could pick up a man. And that's why we just, it was just kept them at arm's length. It was really calm and it was measured. I thought it was just an absolutely fantastic performance. Again, to, you know, 
champions from two years ago, a very good team. We really made them look distinctly average. I, I, you know, wasn't particularly worried at all. He makes this statement, doesn't he, that it's the best Chelsea team he's seen for some time, and yet it's very similar number of players that we had before, which is, which is down to Tuchel. Yeah, he's he's been uh, he's been absolutely incredible. Somebody's had what thirty five games in charge. The transformation that he's done, the way he's got us playing, and we're so hard to 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 be to even to give up chances. I, mean, I don't know what our XGs are, which is a load of bollocks anyway. But our XGs are like one of the best in the Premier League. He's just. So the way he talks as well, there's something about him that's just so infectious. He, you know, he's always given credit to Frank for the Champions League group stages. He just, he kind of really bought into Chelsea and the ethos about what we are as a club, as supporters, and he gets us. I like it. And the fact that the fact that every single player is really massively pissed off at half time. We're getting bookings left, right, and centre. He obviously went in at half time, made some very shrewd technical changes because they were losing. And, they were losing their heads at half time. Yeah, he calms all down. He they were obviously pissed off what happened. He calms all down. He went at half time. Whatever he said, with changes he made. We were, I, I, weirdly, after about 10 minutes, I thought, we're going to get a point here. I wasn't at all worried, just the way that... I thought we'd win know. it, Dan. I thought we'd win it. I really thought so we'd Lukaku occupying... We almost scored two goal, two yeah. great goals. If that had fallen to Lukaku, not Kovacic, we'd have won. But the fact that Lukaku occupied Van Dijk and Matip yeah. made the, the attacking players is, is one-on-one. And we, they, they didn't have really a chance to, to break. And we defended so deeply, so well organised. Everyone, you know... Did a fantastic job, you know. Chaloba came on for the last ten minutes, did a job. It was just a really good performance, and you know the shit housing from Rudiger. I just love it. I love the way he's like right people's faces. I think he's fantastic. I know he's had a bit of a, a check of time, but I think he's he's fantastic. Christensen, who, I, in fairness, I've, I've slated as not being good enough, but he's built, he's bulked up, he's imperious now. He just was, he's become the player we all hoped he would. He's been, he was been phenomenal really since sort of Tuchel's come on board. Just a really, really. Standout performance for me. I think you know what really struck me about this, Clayton, is is I mean, you know, picking up from what Dan's saying about Tuchel and and um, and the Telegraph's piece as well. What really ast- ast- not astonished, but what I was delighted to see was the fact that they all, particularly the defence, the five men in defence, they all knew what they were doing. They all knew where they had to be. It was automatic, and they looked so calm. You know, I've seen teams under the cosh, which you expect. I mean, you know, Liverpool at Anfield with one man down, you would expect it to be like the Alamo. But whilst it was a bit like that, you know, you just felt you felt confident in them because they just knew what they were doing. Everybody knew what they had. Everybody knew their job and they did it, Clayton. It was wonderful to see. Well, I, I, I would question whether anybody actually felt calm, but I know what you mean. Um, I didn't feel like we were going to get duffed five, you know. I just never had that. No, 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 yeah. no. I, I, I know, but that, you know, there, there is also when, you, when you're watching that, there's a certain amount of inevitability. You think, oh, it's, you know, when we were down to ten men, you thought, oh god, here we go. But we were, we were magnificent in the second half. Um, I think the defence is, as you say, was, was, was quite phenomenal on the basis that uh, Silver hadn't played for ages. He looked great. He was um, great. great. He was I great. thought it was. I, I I really, and I hate to say this, but I think that we should pay Rudiger whatever he wants. And I know that's not a great negotiating tactic. And I know that the the rumor is that he's holding out for a a bumper deal because it's probably his last good deal. And um, you know, since Tuchel has been there, 
he's just been outstanding. And you want him in the face of opposition players. He is phenomenal. We haven't had that shithousery for a long time, maybe since Terry and Carvalho. Um, you know, you, you just want that because it, I'm not saying he's Chelsea and it means a lot to him, but I, I think the whole defending thing means a lot to him. And, and that unit, and I mentioned Mendy before, Dan's right, they were routine saves, but they were one after the other. They were coming through a whole host of bodies and and, and you never had any doubts about him. He just thought, and, and even when he comes out the most routine of catches, you know, he does that. He comes out. Not all goalkeepers do that. Um, I thought it was a phenomenal performance. I thought that um, Kovacic gets a special mention because I thought he was outstanding. Um, I don't think Jorginho was fit, uh, which makes his performance even better because I, I, I don't think he looked laboured um, and knackered. And so I, I, I think, you know, and everybody was trying their best. I, I don't know what it was, and, and JK mentioned it earlier on. At the beginning of the second half, it, it looked like we were playing through treacle. It looked like our energy levels had massively dropped. So to actually drag themselves back up from that position um, was was phenomenal. I mean, it, better than a win. Mm. <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a weird way. In a weird way. That's kind of what I meant, you know, weird. JK, I mean, apart from whatever it is you want to say, the other thing that occurred to me, you know, thinking of the, the just the way that they played, that tenacity, that 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 we, you know, you shall not pass. It, I, I kind of wondered if we're we're talking kind of, you know, Mourinho uh, first era levels here. I mean, I remember some performances that that, and actually, you know, even beyond his his reign, because we kept that mentality, and that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? It's that mentality. We don't want to get beaten by you. And, it, and, it, and I, I haven't seen us play like that since that time. And it's so pleased. I love it. I've got to be honest, man. I love it. Well, it, it's unbelievably determined, isn't it? And and each one of them was was at the same level as the rest. You know, I thought, um, I agree. Jorginho was a couple of times he got found out and uh, um, and lost the ball when he shouldn't have done. But he, his commitment was such that he was back scrapping again. There was a lot of scrapping going on, which was really great to behold and uplifting watching it. Um uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to compare it with, with Mourinho's sides. Um, uh, I, I, think, I think there were slightly more individual players in Mourinho's sides. I know he, 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 he got them playing as a team, but I think, I think this is much more of a team effort under Tuchel. I think they're all, they're all absolutely um, uh, as one. You know, you can't actually say... He was outstanding. He was better than him in a way that frequently you could say under Mourinho, well, actually, uh, Robin was completely brilliant or somebody or Duff was completely brilliant or Drogba was brilliant. They're all at, at a level of excellence that um, is uh, is joyous to behold. And and as you say, Clayton, there was this bizarre sort of little this this almost panicky beginning to the second half. And then um Something happened on the pitch. I remember thinking, they're now they've actually all of the. We did a wonderful passing move. Seemed to absolutely just settle them down, and you thought they're in for everything here. I really, I, I really did think they were going to score. I just thought there would be a um, uh, a breakaway. It was lovely to see them shift from um, um, the normal Tuchel attacking um, formation to this um, ten men behind the ball, and then and 
and breaking on the counterattack. It was just, um, it, it was, it was as you say, it was very, very tense, but there was such a solidity to them. And I, and I keep going on about this, but I thought Alonso, I mean, I thought Silva was magnificent considering he hadn't played. Um, and also you makes you appreciate because you haven't seen him for a bit, what a good player he is, how positionally good he is. And it's just his judgment and his, his kind of relaxing. He lets the ball come past him a lot and then plays it at the last second. You think, oh, that's so cleverly done. But Alonso is revealing a side to his game that is um, uh, something I haven't seen him do. These little slipping the ball at the last second. He's being absolutely allowed to express himself in a way that I haven't seen him under any, yeah. any perhaps under Conti was probably it before. But it, this is this is... An absolutely outstanding performance from him uh, so far this season. Quite brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it just shows just how, how smart Tuchel is a coach. He looked at half-time and thought, right, this is how we're going to get a point at least. Yeah. Take off Havertz, take off Kantek, he's injured. Brilliant. I mean, Alonso's... I think what Chilwell's going to struggle to get back in the team, to be fair. Oh, completely agree. Alonso's been, been fantastic. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. Well, but no, still, he hasn't been outstanding. He's playing up to the same level as the rest of the players. But yeah. some of them, those, the ability to extricate the ball when you're under position with two players on you, which Kovacic can do with ease, which yeah. Alonso's been doing, and then playing a triangle or four passes between them with Mount. You've forgotten about mentioning Mount. Mount was outstanding yeah, as well. Mount never, stopped, never stopped playing wonderfully. It was, yeah. it was absolutely joyous. All right, Let's, we're going we're gonna to have a break. Uh, because I think we need one after that. That's the most intense 45 minutes we've done on the fan cars for a long time, thanks to us being brilliant, not us being brilliant, but the liver, the, the, you know, the Chelsea players being brilliant and Taylor being a twat. Uh, but before we do, uh, quick shout out, uh, we've got another football prizes draw uh, that finishes tomorrow. Uh, that's September the 1st, uh, Wednesday, 7.30pm. Uh, but for all you lovely American uh, people who love listening to this show, we know who you are and we are delighted that we know you. Um, right, you can win uh, a Christian Pulisic signed and framed boot in the prize draw. How about that? A Christian Pulisic signed and framed boot. And uh, the prize draw, uh, well, it's £4.95 per ticket. You can buy as many as you want. I think there are 99 up for grabs. So you better hurry up if you want to get into this. And they will they will ship it out to you in the States. I'm assured that they will. So get on it now before it sells out. And it's at footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash Pulisic hyphen boot. I will pin it to Chelsea Fancast Twitter feed at the end of this show. Now, uh, I'm also delighted to announce, of course, that the CFC UK stall is back open for business again on a match day. So if you want to get the world's best fanzine, Go along to the stall, which is opposite Fulham Broadway. Uh, pop, uh, cross uh, DJ or Marco's palm with a uh, one-pound coin, and it can be yours. Um, if you want to subscribe to it, uh, which is a good way of doing it, particularly if you don't live here, but if for UK residents, the subscription is £16 a year for 10 issues, minimum of 10 issues, and each one individually costs £2. And uh, payment can be made by PayPal, or sending uh, sending sixteen pounds to fanzine at cfcuk.net. If you live in Europe, it's thirty five quid, uh, and the the rest of the world, it's forty five quid. Digital that's for the proper real copy, by the way. Now, digital subscriptions are also available, emailed in PDF format, costing six pounds for a season, and the cost of individual issues will remain at one pound. 
Uh, so it's obviously if you live abroad, it's cheaper to receive the digital version because the postal costs are somewhat prohibitive. Uh, and what uh, DJ will need is your full address details for the hard copy version or your preferred email address should you require the PDF one. And uh, inquiries uh, to fanzine at cfcuk.net. Right, we will be back for part two to discuss more of the Chelsea, uh, the Liverpool-Chelsea game, including Havertz. Uh, we'll also be saying farewell, adieu to Kurt Happy Zuma. Um, we'll be catching up with the uh, the latest transfer shenanigans on deadline day. See you in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fan Girls with me, Stamford Chidge. Him down there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hey, thank you all. Him up there, Mr. Dan Silver. Hello. And everybody's favourite, not just the housewives, Mr. Clayton mm. Beerman. Hello. <laughs> right, OK. So, uh, just kind of carrying on with the Liverpool... Uh, Chelsea match. Um, first thing I we, we, we wanted to mention really was Kante going off um, because uh, I can't remember who it was now, but so he went in for a tackle and they fell on his ankle. And so you know he he went off. Tuchel said this: he's injured and needed to go out or off. I suppose he means he missed Arsenal uh, for pain in the ankle, but it was nothing serious. In this game, the opponent fell on his ankle and he had the same pain that he had against Arsenal. He couldn't accelerate, so we had to take him off, which I thought was interesting. It was it, it was a recurrence of the of the ankle injury that kept him out, really, although we were worried about that. Um, of course, typically, he's buggered off to France for international duty. I'm seriously disliking Didier Deschamps. He he over overplays Kante even more than we do. And he doesn't give a flying fuck about how injured he is. I'm not liking Didier Deschamps. Dan? No, nor me. I think the big concern for Kante is I think he's only started 46 matches since the Europa League final. So it, it is a big concern. As, as good as he is, he clearly has got issues and something we need to manage very carefully. So it's, 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 it is a concern because he's probably a truly one absolute world-class player currently. And the fact that he's only played a third of our game since since the Europa League finals, it's, it's, I say, it's, it's something that needs to be looked at. I think that Kovacic has stepped up, actually. I really do. I think his performances have improved. So but, another player that Tuchel's making better. Absolutely. Yeah. But are we a player light as a consequence, do you think, in the midfield? Not anymore. Apparently, Saul Niguez is, is a done deal. Club have announced him every single legitimate IT care kind of said South <laughs> been done. Not not like Dan McCarthy, you know, like, you know. No, Ch- Chelsea have called Saul and he's answered. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's on Sky, it's on Sky Sports. It was uh, updated at 7.07. Chelsea and Atletico Madrid have agreed a deadline day deal for Saul Niguez to join the European champions on an initial loan deal with option to buy. Sources in Spain have told Sky Sports News. So I don't know if you can say that that's confirmed yet. I love the fact that the ITK all said the deal had fallen apart during the week, didn't they? They talk such absolute 
bollocks. It is, oh, God, it's a despair. You never, ever believe it until you see him gurning, holding a shirt next holding to Marina Granovskaya. That's the thing. I mean, I mean, it also, kind of, if that's the case, um, then I have to say I'm quite happy. I mean, I don't know if he's any good or not, but, I mean, we need bodies there. We need we need a backup because the point is, Clayton, I mean, as I as I'd scripted earlier on, it was on the presumption that we might not get anybody. But having let Billy Gilmore go, we're now, you know, we were, we had three midfielders of that type, and that is not going to be enough because Kante's, I think, injury prone now or needs to be wrapped in cotton wool, and then the others could get injured or suspended or whatever. So you needed another body in there. So I'm I'm quite happy that we have got another body in there, although I don't know much about him. Uh, well, I think you probably know more than you think you do. He's actually a very, very good player. Um, uh, according to people who know things more than I do, um, he hasn't been as good the last 18 months, but there, there is a an element of um, there's only so much shouting and curbing your, um, your uh, artistic side that you can take from uh, Diego Simone before it sort of uh, it hits home. And, and, and they're, they're saying that this move might be a little bit of a breath of fresh air and a, a restart. Yeah. The Spanish international, is he 26? Yeah. He's a good player. He's a really, really good player. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't keep playing. I mean, he's the sort of player who you'd like to play when we've got one of those games where Jorginho's being swamped and, and being sort of hounded. Have him playing instead of Jorginho. Uh, although, that, to be fair, Jorginho has been outstanding recently. Um, so I think it's it's a good move. It's a really good move. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. I've been quite impressed with the whole um, transfer window and what we've done. A couple of things with the kids has been a little bit strange, but uh, no, I, I think it's good. And, and I mean, can say God bless him. I mean, how old is he now? Is he thirty-one. I think. Yeah. I mean, he's he's really just he seems to be held together by bits of plastic at the moment. Um, fantastic player, and I just think we 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 need to wrap him in cotton wool. I don't, I mean, the the, the tackle on um, I think it was Mane, wasn't it? It, it seemed fairly innocuous. I was quite surprised that he, he was he was that hurt. Yeah, I think it's the way. He, cause I think when he was tackled, he fell. I think his ankle got trapped underneath Marley's body, and he twisted it. So it wasn't it wasn't particularly a nasty tackle. Just the way they kind of yeah. From my he, view, it was a, a, a terrific sort of last ditch. He wanted to get the ball, and he stretched. And uh, and I thought some, he's going to have pulled something, but I was surprised it was the ankle. I didn't think that was going to be the the area that he'd hurt. Because he seemed to land on him, and he seemed to be stretching. I thought he'd done his groin actually, but um, excuse me. Now, one must accept that if Tuchel, knowing what we now know about Tuchel and Tuchel's um, genius and assembling of teams and players to play with each other, if he buys Saul, he's a very good player. Oh, he's a he's a fantastic player. You think that yeah. he's been hamstrung by um, what's his face, Madrid, uh, Simeone. Yes, Simeone. I mean, there's, uh, there's a YouTube clip game out where he, he literally like stole and passed like four or five players and passed ball to the net. Really good talent. If if you know you know like like he's done with Kovacic, if Tuchel could just bring him to that next level, we we're signing a 26 year old Spanish yeah. international with yeah. fantastic experience. He's got experience of Champions League. He's got experience of 
Europa League, which we don't want to go into, but he's, he's a great player. He'll be very disciplined because that's the way Simeone plays. Yeah, and that's so. what you want. You want somebody who understands team instructions, can fit into a team. And I think Tuchel will potentially, you know, we, we need that, that kind of really strong, mentally strong player in that midfield. You can complement Jorginho, Kovacic, and give Kante some rest. Because Kante comes to a point now where you, you want to play him in the really important matches. You know, Burnley away, stick him on the bench, bring him on if we need to. So we need, we need that extra player in midfield. Just they, do of... their due, they do their due diligence, don't they, with players? Yeah. You know, they make sure they've got the personality to fit into the side. They do all the research into it. It's not just about whether he's a good player or not. It's whether he'll fit into the, into the team. And uh, um, I mean, Tuchel mentioned this in the uh, um, in one of the interviews he gave recently. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I think he'll be a, a fine fit for the team. He he will indeed. I mean, talking of Kante, talking of Saul, who I'm I'm told is is more of a box to box type midfielder actually, and he can score goals, which is something that we don't really have. <laughs> Although you know, at the un- end of the day, I mean, you know, the way that we play. You know, I mean, you used to say this almost every week because you were very enamoured with Mourinho's idea of having two really good players for each position in the side. So, you know, two plus two uh, is, is kind of what you want for the two central midfielders or the number sixes, as Tommy Tuchel likes to call them. But hey, I'm not complaining. We need bodies. But I tell you what, I don't know. I mean, this is the joy of doing the Prem Predictions League, actually. You take a bit more of an interest in the other teams and what's going on. We have to mention Conor Gallagher here. I mean, what a performance. Two goals. Wow. Two goals against West Ham. You know, two the, excellent goals. The people's two, champions. Two out of the blue goals. Two, yeah. two, two um, you know, efforts that you wouldn't normally think that somebody could get the ball into the goal from that with, with the number of players on him or from that angle. I think it creates a conundrum next year. A really good conundrum for him coming into the side, you know? Well, I, I'm hoping that he's going to get a chance because the reality is uh, he's impressing with Palace now. I thought he was brilliant for West Brom. He scored a lot of goals for them. He's he's a he's a demon of a tackler in midfield. He takes no shit. He can pass, and he can score goals. I mean, he's he's the he is. We are missing that kind of a midfielder, I think. So I he I really hope because I mean the other thing you know he's doing it in the Premier League and he's doing it with clubs who are struggling. Yeah. So yeah, that means yeah. they don't get many chances. It's, so I think I think what more proof do you need that he could do a job for us? You know. Does, is this is this not the death knell though for for Ruben? I mean, I, I don't know. I know. Well, I, I think his injury on that carpet. Enough. I think that injury on that carpet in in Boston was the death knell for Ruben. Sadly, mate. I think he's. I think I don't think he'll make it at Chelsea. As hard as it is to admit, I think that that's broken his body. He just just. Yeah. He didn't particularly stand out for Fulham, albeit in a team that's getting relegated. Listen, he's. No, he's I, I, don't, I, I don't think his attitude was right at Fulham as well. Because I think he could have been head and shoulders above others. I think he should he, have been. He should have been. Well, that's, I think the whole, like with Callum. I know we're digressing, but you know you, you can have all the talent in the world, but you need the attitude, desire, and hunger along with talent to make it at this level. You don't have a divine right to walk into any football team if you haven't got the hunger, desire, attitude, application. Doesn't matter about your talent. You can, you know, you, you're not going to make it. There's a lot of rumour at the moment about him going out on loan. To no, they, they, they've already said he's not going out. He's staying. Is it? Yeah. He's staying. Right. He's staying. He may go in January, but right now they've said he's, he's not going. I think Dortmund were interested, but the German window's closed now, so he's, he's going to be with us until certainly January. Well, but he's got to prove. He's got yeah. to have a hunger. I don't care if he's a supremely talented twenty-year-old kid. Show it in training. 
give me the hunger, give me the desire. Prove sure it on the pitch. Sure on the pitch, Dan. His yeah, inability, exactly. well, training's inability, where you're going to get the team. Inability to take people on will always be the problem at but the he's moment. But not, he's not a wing-back. You need to, fairness to no, no, no. you need to play him in his right position as an attacking player, not as a wing-back. Who has he got against him? Pulisic and Zayek. Not well, at the moment, Mountain Havertz. And yeah. Mountain Havertz. And Mountain Havertz, yeah. But, I mean, I think, I think you know, it's just kind of a weird conundrum we're in, actually, or, or in particular, Callum Hudson-Odoi is in. Because hitherto, he, he kind of broke in when none of the other youngsters had broken through, if you remember, because it was before the transfer ban. And it was all, yeah, you know, he looks really good. Lovely, lovely, lovely. But, of course, there was all that weight of expectation because, of course, nobody really breaks through at Chelsea if they come from the academy. And then we had the transfer ban. And in a paradoxical sort of way, you know, because Rhys James, Tammy, I, I still stand by, Mason Mount and uh, Ficayo Tamori all broke through and were proved to be very, very good and worth their place. I think we're now expecting... You know, that from Callum Hudson-Odoi. It's like, well, there's no excuses, mate. If Mason Mount can do it, if James can do it, you know, you've just got to play really, really well and be really, really good. And I think that's quite hard for him, actually, Dan. Yeah, but Mount and James have got desire, hunger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get all of that, and I but agree. But that's the whole point, you know. Yeah. Mount, but that's, that's what Mount, I mean. Mount. That's what I mean. I'm saying yeah. that he's now he's now got a, a barometer to be compared to. Yeah. Whereas the before, they didn't have that. They were being, you know, we would be saying, oh, well, he's young, you know, he needs to train on a bit, you know, he's up against world-class players. Well, now it's like, well, hang on a minute, we've got, you know, two academy graduates playing for us pretty much every game. Why yeah. aren't you doing it, mate? Both of whom play for England, of course. Yeah. Well, well like, I he did, like he did. That's true, like he did, yeah. Again, I mean, Callum's, Callum's injury didn't help him, but he's, he's got so much ability, but I just think he's, he needs the confidence. But it's like, it's like in his any player they need to run a games. He's not going to get run a games right now because he's fifth or sixth in the pecking order in terms of who's going to get game time. I mean I think I think there's two points here is the fact that one whenever he has played recently, you don't feel that he's actually grasped his opportunity. And two, I don't know, you know, I've said this before on the fan cast, there are some players who just need to play. And unless they're playing, they can't get into any sort of rhythm. Now, whether that means, you know, if, if you come on and you can't do it, that means you're never going to do it. I don't know. Um, I think it's a great shame because he obviously is very talented. He obviously wants to be at Chelsea. Um, but he has to convince. I mean, it's like any of these players. It's like Ruben. They have to convince Tommy T. I mean, you look at um, Chaloba or Chalaba, how he has impressed Tommy to get into the team. These other guys are at the same training sessions and they haven't. No, but in fairness to Callum, he's, when he's played, he's been played at wing-back. And with greatest respect, he, he's got no defensive qualities whatsoever. So playing at wing-back is not really necessary. No, I'm not, I'm not so, I, I, I don't no, no, disagree, Dan, but yeah. I'm not talking about when he plays at wing-back. I'm, I'm talking about when he has come on as a winger. Um, but has he come as an actual out and out winger? I can't remember. He's always come on when he started. He starts wing back, which yeah, kind of no, kind of slightly like games Tommy, attacking talents. And he had yeah, no, Tommy, Tommy T started him off as a wing back, but there was one game I can't remember which game it was. He came on at half time and he was played up front, and he just he just didn't do it. And I think that the competition for places at the club is so fierce now because. 
just going back to what you were saying in the first part of the show, Chish, I tweeted it on Saturday. This is as good a team as we've had since Mourinho, yeah. Mark yeah. one. Yeah. Not like JK said, maybe not individually, but as a team, this is this is as good in terms of the organisation, the mental, uh, you know, fortitude. Yeah. I can use that word. <laughs> Uh, as we've had, and, and if these guys are not going to step up and take their chance, then it's it's a great shame. As cutthroat as that, I think. Sorry, Dan, to leap in. I think it uh-huh. is it is as cutthroat as that, and he has to he has to do it when he gets on, and he has to take people on. He has to play as well as he's done in bursts. We have to remember, of course, he had an injury as well, exactly the same yeah. injury that um, that uh, um, Loftus Cheek had, but he appears to have got. Of, to have played through that but he still doesn't come on absolutely right Clayton and and make us think wow he's indispensable wow he's as good as Pulisic wow he's as good as Zayek you have to have those purple passages otherwise you go down the pecking yeah, order you're right and I, I, I like you all I, I really I really do hope he succeeds I mean I would say one thing though just to, to, to uh, you know not answer Dan but pick up from what you were saying mate um, we don't play with wingers our wing backs are our wingers. So when when Hudson Odoi comes on, and I agree with you, I think when I, I've seen him play as a, a proper winger, and he's he's fan, I've seen him play brilliantly. But it, you know when he comes on, and he's not a wing back, he's playing as effectively an inside forward, or a, or a, or a, you know one of the two tens behind the behind whoever the nine is. And I mean I know it's very fluid uh, in in Tuchel's system, but you know he's not playing as an out and out winger. And I think that's his position. So it could also be he could also be a victim of, of the system that, that Tuchel likes to play. Yeah, it's I mean, kind of what thing. you were saying, really. I suppose. I've had the, the, the issue that Chelsea have got back to the level now where you have to be eight, nine, ten out of ten every single game. You know, we had a lot of, you know, last three or four years we've had some bang average players. Now we've got, for me, potentially become Chelsea's greatest ever manager in charge. He gets it. Now that level has stepped up. You know, before you eat six or seven, you'd be fine. Now we're eight, nines, or tens. That's the difference. Now this is this is like the, the Chelsea and the Mourinho first time yeah. round, as you guys have said. Well, we, we, we so go on, go on, JK. Yeah, yeah. I just say the player I've been mentioning who keeps leaping out and and ordering people around is, of course, Anthony. The player, the the member of staff, is of course Anthony Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good he kept him on, isn't it? But I mean, I think it's really interesting. You know, we keep saying it tonight and we keep making comparisons with this Mourinho side. Of course, the the essential difference with the Mourinho side is that, you know, they were buying uh, predominantly proven players and and our side is still predominantly a very young side. And I I mean, my feeling is, is that, you know, we're going to get better and better and better. I mean, I think it's it's, it's imperative that Tuchel stays because I think he's the fulcrum of this. Yeah. 100%. And I have to say, you know, and I can remember bleating on on the, this bloody show saying, that's it, I've no more emotional attachments with Chelsea managers, I'm done. <laughs> but, I mean, how can you not love this guy? I mean, every single, every facet of, of being a football manager, he nails. I mean, he's brilliant with the press, he's measured, he's not... I mean, what a what a wanker Klopp is in it when oh. he loses. You know, what an absolute fat, ugly wanker. Period. You know, Thomas Tuchel's a decent chap, clearly, but he's an absolute, you know, thorough winner. You won't put up with any shit. He's a great man manager. He's an absolutely supreme tactician. I mean, how delightful is it to see 
a manager at Chelsea who who can who can change uh, a game with a tactical tweak. That's Mourinho. Mourinho used to do that at his peak. I, he lost the ability to do it by, by the second time he came round. But he used to be that good. And Tuchel is. And I mean, we I think we've got the best manager in the world. And I pray to God it, it, it doesn't all go tits up. And I pray to God we stick with him for a while. Of course we won't. But, you know, I really hope that we do. Yeah. Because we're on the, we are on the cusp of something here as cool. a club. Because the other thing... Sorry, Dan, I know I'm wittering yeah. on. I'll let you in in a sec. But... Um, when we won the Champions League in 2012, that was a, that was the last chance saloon for that side. You know, they were all getting too old. They, you know, it was their last chance. We won the Champions League when nobody expected us to with a very young side who will only get better. And I tell you something else. I think that winning that Champions League, what, the, what that has done for these young players in this side in terms of confidence and self-belief, belief in Tuchel, belief in each other, belief in the way that he gets them to play is going to be immeasurable. You know, I think I think we saw what we saw against Liverpool on Saturday in that second half because we won the Champions League. Because they're thinking we're European champions now. We're a fucking good side. So we're not having this. We're just going to play better than them and we're going to keep them out. I think it's that mentality of winning something that big at that age in their development is going to be huge. And I really do think we are on the we we could be on the cusp of something greater than we saw with Mourinho in the first era. Anyway, that, that's my le- my sermon is over, Dan. I <laughs> pass pass yeah, the floor to I was you. pretty much okay. What you're going to say? I just think that Champions League was so crucial. The fact that we went through the groups, the uh, knockout stages against very good teams just so comfortably and beat Man City. It's just that mentality that Mourinho always said about first trophy and we won the League Cup. We won the Champions League like Mason Mount, Rhys James. There's something about Tuchel which just, it, it just gets Chelsea so quickly. I mean, Manchester's only been in charge for 35, 36 matches. He gets us. You see him interview, you see how how adult he is. He, I, I really like him. I, I like you, I said, you know, after Lampard, Dan, 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 he won't, Dan, he won't shag you, mate, honestly. Fuck, Dan. Speaking, speaking of shagging, which I mentioned on the fan by, of course, is the, the, the large numbers of the, of the crowd attempted this, the Tuchel song, which, a Tuchel song, which was, um, oh, Thomas Tuchel, you are... The love of my life. My life, oh, Thomas Tuchel, you can shag my wife. And I thought, come on, guys. See, better than that. Something yeah. better than I, that. I, I just think this... Please. And what, what I really hope here is the fact it looks like the club have backed Tuchel in terms of who he's brought in. They've got rid of fair play. They've got rid of all the deadwood, all the sh- apart from Ross Barkley. They've got rid of Drinkwater. They've got rid of Bakayoko. They've got rid of Zappacosta. They've really done, a, for me, what has been a fantastic window in terms of ins and outs. And if we get Saul in, that just kind of gives us that nice balance. They've got to realise that if you've got a world-class manager, you need to listen to him and his team. Completely. And Czech. Let's not forget, forget about Czech here. The involvement of Czech as Czech, well. Czech's, Czech's crucial. Czech, Czech's been a really great catalyst between yeah. that brilliant Chelsea team from 04 to 12 upwards. He, he understands about winning. He, he knows what it's like. He's been to Arsenal, so he knows about losing. He gets it. He's, he's, so, he's so important because he can relate to the modern game because he's not, not, not since long retired. We've got a great manager in. So we all know as hard as it was to see Franco, he wasn't ready for the job. Tuchel's come in. What a manager. What a man. What a character. He's got his family every now, so that could only improve his 
the mental side of his performance because it's his daughter and his wife's all there. We, as Chick said, this, 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 we could dominate for the next five, six, seven years because, you know, Pep's already on his way out. Mikel Arteta's like, you know, the San Sebastian Tim Sherwood. You know, Oli Gunnar is like Gollum. We, we could potentially, literally dominate the premiership for the next well, five, six years. I think you're right. The impact of the Champions League, actually, I think is much bigger than we're, we're giving it credit for. I think, I think it's given some of the other clubs, I think particularly... Uh, um, Arsenal and Tottenham uh, in, in inferiority complexes because they go, oh my goodness me, we're supposedly building these sides up and Chelsea then just appear with the same side yeah. which he just manages to make into these world beaters and they won the Champions League. Think what they're going to do again in the future. Oh my goodness. I mean, in, in a sense, Klopp saying, you know, that they're, a, they're, a much, they're one of the better sides. This is the strongest I've seen them is, is you know, he's, he's trying to damn with faint praise, but he ends up by giving us a great compliment. You yeah, know? it's back, such a bad kind of compliment. Also, you look at, you know, Arsenal has spent 130, 150 million now on players. I don't think any single signing from that team will get into our bench, no, let alone our first team. No, absolutely. I totally agree. Now, like, very, no, very quickly, what, what, what? Is, do you think Ross Barkley might just be sold before the transfer? No, day he's going to Burnley on loan, apparently. Oh, good. He, <laughs> he deserves it. Something on good, Burnley good, on loan. good, good. I thought he would be. I can't see yeah. any of them staying. I can't see them having any role to play around the... the no, but the, I mean, uh, the interesting uh, thing uh, is, is that Tuchel's come in and said, no, that's it, I don't want them. And he yeah, says, you need, you, need, you need to get them out of the club. And yeah. I think that's brilliant. Right, enough. Um, somebody that it's a real great shame that he's had to go out of the club. And interestingly you know, one suspects he went out because they expected to get Kunde in, who when Sevilla basically shat on us and basically decided to up the price. And I think fair play to Chelsea. They said, no, you can fuck off. So, I mean, we're not light because I think we've got more than enough central defenders. But I have to say, Clayton, uh, it makes me very unhappy to see Kurt Happy Zuma go because I really liked Zuma. He may not be the best central defender in the world, but he was one of ours in a way. And I, and I, and I, and I really liked him and I'm a bit upset to see him go. Uh, yeah, I I think so. I was quite surprised when I actually saw that he'd been at the club seven years. Um, but it does actually seem a long time ago that he had that really horrible injury uh, against Manchester United, which uh, would have been interesting to see how he developed. I mean, I don't... I mean, I am sorry to see him go because I think it was fairly evident he didn't want to go. Um, and... I'm a bit pissed off he's gone to West Ham because we know how good he is from set pieces and West Ham are good at set pieces. I'm pleased for him. Um, I, I think he'll do well there. I don't think it's it greatly diminishes us. Um, and I don't mean that in an insulting way to him. Um, I just think he was, he was a great player for us. Um, yeah, it's sad to see him go because, as I say, I, think, I don't think he wanted to go. Um, but 100% trust in the manager and what he's doing. Well, as I said, we've got, we've got. I mean, the only the only worrying thing about that is that Christensen, Rudiger, and Silva. I think it's Silva or Aspilicueta are all going to be well, out of contract. Christensen, they reckon, is virtually done, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, Aspi will, will would sign anything that's put in front of him if, if needs must. You you perceive that that to be the case. Um, and as I said earlier, I, I'd basically give Rudiger what he wants. I mean, I think Kunde will come to us either in uh, December or next year. Yeah. So I'm not that bothered. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. And then you've obviously you've got um, Chaloba, 
who can do stuff uh, at centre half as well. So I, I think we will be okay. I, I know it's oh, I precarious, so. but you know, oh, I, I think, I think so. we'll be fine. Dan. Yeah, I think I think Zimmer was great. You know, for essentially thirty million quid for fourth choice centre half, it's great business. Let's see, he's clearly a great personality around the around the you know the training ground and stuff. He's always got this incredible smile on his face. He, he, was, he was great for us. You know, his biggest problem was you know he, he wasn't a ball playing centre back, and he often quite looked like Bambi on ice. Apart from that amazing game. run where he did a double guess, step over, and then, and then put it and then put it yeah. into Rose Ed, which was a great shame. It's, it's would have been the goal of the signing. would have been the goal of the decade if it had scored yeah. that. It's, it's a fabulous sign for West Ham. They've got a really good, experienced centre back who's what 26, 27. Uh, good luck to him. I mean, he, he, was, he was great for us. He's a, I loved his smile. You know, middle name Happy, exactly what he was. Yeah. And I love, I love that. I don't think it's on Instagram like he and Ben Chua because Chua always tried to wind him up on Instagram. Great to watch. You see, like him getting really angry, Ben Chua. But no, listen, great sermon for us. Good luck to him at West Ham. And you know, long as he doesn't score against us from a set piece. Here, here, and I echo that. Uh, entirely so there you go I mean right now and it's 27 minutes past 8 on Tuesday night we've got no other deadline transfer deadline news but uh, obviously if if it breaks after we've gone uh, off air then there's nothing we can do JK I just say I was never convinced by Zuma no I, I, I don't I mean I don't think you know considering the quality of centre-backs we have now yeah you know uh Clayton's right, you know he he went down a right. He, he's definitely fourth in the pecking order. Yeah, fourth. but but there you know, but he's fourth in the pecking order as a as a as an accomplished ball playing centre back. What he is good at is is being a, a meaty presence in in both in penalty both area. penalty areas. But I I don't think that's enough. For no, I, I agree. I agree with the very, you. The very fact that Chalabar came in and scored that absolute screamer in the opening game of the season, I thought was uh, was indicative he can of play football, mate. Yeah. Absolutely, which you're not going to see from no. from, uh, from Kurt. But he did all right for us, let's be fair. Anyway, yeah. I've got a couple of plugs to give out before we go to part three. The first, of course, is the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Um, yeah, I mean, what more can I say? Go and join it. It's five quid uh, a year to be a member, which means you can, you know, vote on uh, all sorts of uh, issues at the AGM, which we hold every year. Uh, you can put forward motions as well. Of course, you can attend all the member meetings that we have and all of that kind of thing. Bottom line is it gets you, hopefully, a voice to the club uh, on the really important issues like uh, the ticket prices, kickoff times, things like the Super League when that erupted. And then you get to watch Dan on TV and on the, and listen to him on the radio when he opines about the uh, nefarious activities of our wonderful club. Um, you also get a lovely, shiny Supporters Trust badge. So it's a, it's a very nice thing to have and you can wear it with pride. So go to ChelseaSupportersTrust.com and sign up today. It's, it's pretty pretty easy to do. Now, the other thing, of course, which is very worthy and you need to get hold of is a, is a Chelsea pitch owner's share. Um, I believe today was the last day you could get the shares for the cheap price before they revert back to the old price, which is about 100 quid. So if you, you've got a bit of time to do that. But... Uh, I mean, basically, being a, a Chelsea pitch owner means that you own a share of the freehold of the ground, which means it cannot be sold to any rapacious property developer while you hold on to those shares. So it really does ensure that football will be played at Stamford Bridge forever and ever and ever and is a very, very important part of this club. Uh, so go to Chelsea's official website and search for Chelsea pitch owners. There you go. We'll be back in a minute or two.
fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, part three, with me, Stanford Chidge, and Jonathan Kidd, and Clayton Beerman. Lovely to be on. Hello. And uh, Dan Silver. Hello, Chidge. Hello. Dan, Dan's gone for a pee. He'll be back in a minute. Can't hold it in. I don't know. Like my impression. Oh, hello, everybody. It's not bad, not bad. Right, it's now time for it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't win yeah. an award in the fannies. That's for sure. It wouldn't Jake. win an award no. anyway. I think no, it I, I agree. With you. If there was a hateful impressions or a rubbish impressions award, it would have won that. Yes, it might have done actually, like a, like the raspberries or whatever they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good one. Um, okay, so it's the fannies, of course. We're kind of really delighted that we've uh, brought the fannies back uh, this season. It it won't last because the minute we get two games a week to review, we, we none of us are prepared to be sat here until like half eleven every night, every Monday night recording a podcast. So I suspect that they'll go. So it might become an online thing. <clears throat> but for the man of the match for Chelsea versus Liverpool or Liverpool versus Chelsea, if you prefer, the candidates were Mendy, Aspilicueta, Silva, and I kind of decided we were so good that I was going to have four nominations this week. So I chose Kovacic as well, who I thought was absolutely brilliant in the second half. Um, but interestingly, two of those were substitutes. He came on and steady the ship. Mendy, of course, had an absolute world. He six, uh, broke his record of six Premier League saves. And I thought Aspie did a fine job both defensively and as captain, you know, keeping everybody calm. So um, I'm going to ask these two at the moment, because Dan's buggered off for a minute, who they would vote for. And then disprove their theory by revealing who won it on Twitter. So, J.K., out of those four, who was your man of the match? Um, uh, well, I, I thought Mendy was fantastic, and uh, and he's going to win it. Um, but I thought Silver came on and was absolutely supreme. Um, but having said that, though, Aspie was played out of his skin, and so did Kovacic. So, uh, but Mendy for his uh, for the six saves, uh, making them as Clayton said look look easy, and they were all pretty one after the other. Um, just in his ability, uh, generally, is, is just so fantastic that uh, I'd give it to Mendy. Clayton? Uh, well, no surprise, I voted for Mendy. Mm. I basically thought he was he was outstanding. I, I, I just think we, in, in many respects, I think he snuck in under the radar. He's basically, I wasn't quite sure when we first had him and I think he's just grown and grown into the role and I just think he's he's very good. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. Dan, who would you have voted for or who did you vote for in the Fannies for Man of the Match? It's you, Monday, just yeah. calming presence, just, it just sat back and he just, it just makes you just so comfortable with the back. Effortless performance. Brilliant. Apart from the little goof with um, Alonso, just outstanding. Yeah. Him, him falling over, kicking the ball, which is studs. He, must oh, get he did slip. Out. He did slip over, didn't he? Doing a kick. Right. It still went. Sorry, fa- I- it still went farther than I can kick it. It's true. It's true. But but, but Chid, you you've got little stubby legs. You? That's true. <laughs> little short, fat, hairy legs, mate. Yeah, like mine. You know, very similar. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, um, you're, you're like, I, I, what? calling him Mondi now. Sorry, Mondi. 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 Edouard Mondi. Okay. Mondi. Well. Yeah. Edouard Mondi has won the Fannies on the Tuesday. So uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I mean, he, in reverse order, dear old Kovacic got 3%. Thiago Silva got 4%. Aspilicueta got 26%. So a lot of love for Aspi, which I think was well-deserved. 
but a whopping 67% for Edouard Mondi, uh, who wins this week's Man of the Match award for the Fannies. Now, the next one, of course, is the uh, is the salary moment, which, to remind the hard of thinking, uh, is a moment of comedy on or off the pitch or something that exudes proper Chelsea-ness. Okay, and the nominations were for uh, Lukaku stepping in on Henderson and scaring the shit out of him in the process. Uh, Mondi kicking kicking the ball at Henderson, which I actually I actually roared with laughter at the time. Uh, that really tickled me. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, I've called this on on Twitter because it's you, you're limited to twenty five characters, but I've called it Chelsea shithousery. But an example of that, of course, would have been. Chelsea's mass outbreak of cramp in the last few minutes <laughs> and falling over constantly every time a corner was taken. Oh, I love which it. Which I just I thought it. was hilarious and absolutely brilliant. But I've, 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 there was much more shithousery than that. Um, so what would you have voted for, JK? Um, the the, uh, the outbreak of cramp. I, I, shithousery. I, I, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, loved, I loved uh, uh, Rudiger just lying on the ground with his leg in the air and, and coming up and the referee going up to him and clearly powerless to realize that he was slightly probably pulling the swing in the lead but i i um i enjoyed the other incidents i didn't actually see mondi kicking the ball at henderson because i, I i'm too little and i was in the back and it was below me and um i'd had to lent very far forwards and I, and uh, uh, possibly into the guy who was opposite me so i missed missed a few goal mouth incidents but um but no, I, I, no, I felt that the 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 cramp business and falling over was 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 pure Mourinho. Actually, I thought it was great. Yeah, uh, Clayton, uh, and who would be your pick? Uh, the old shithousery. I, I thought it was incredibly funny at the end of the game that um, when Gary Neville was speaking to uh, Asby and happened to mention the time wasting. Um, and I think Gary Neville was reminded in no uncertain terms that his team that he played for never did anything like that. No, I, I just <laughs> thought it was great. It was it was basically down to game management. I, I think the the biggest failing of, of Frank um, was the fact that we there were so many games where we let in late goals and, and the games weren't properly managed, that we, we sort of let games go against it. And it, it's experience. You know he'll learn from that, uh, but but we seem to have that now. You know, I, w- I won't say that I think we're at the level when Mourinho was there and we went one or two nil up, and you just knew that was it. I'm not sure we're there yet, but we're we're bloody close to it. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, finally, Dan, your your pick. Yeah, like Clay says, shit how's we you know dark hearts of the game, which we clearly lacking. We've got that back in abundance. It was just, it was fantastic. Just, you know, oh, I got crap and really good. Yeah. Just like, yeah, no, brilliant. Absolutely. Well, just well, what this team needs. You'll, you'll be delighted to know that we, we are the voice of the people on both the man of the match and the salary moment because they have also voted Chelsea Shithousery as their winner, 37%. Lukaku uh, facing down uh, Henderson got 34%. And Mondi kicking the ball at uh, Henderson, 29%. So it's a close run thing. Close run thing, really. Split vote, really, but uh, the shithousery won it. And finally, uh, the last fanny of the week for the Liverpool-Chelsea match is the Guinness moment, which, again, I would like to remind those who are hard of thinking, is a moment of genius-like flair, which might be sexually arousing. And in, and on Twitter, I have a, the emoji with the flushed face denoting uh, sexual arousal, I think. 
because they don't have a, an erect cock, so I couldn't put that on there. But you get the drift. Anyway, um, I, I, well, there, there weren't many. I mean, you know, the Guinness moments. Sometimes there might not be any Guinness moment at all, which means we don't have a Guinness moment vote. But there are two this week. One is um, for Havertz's superb header, which scored, which scored our only goal, and it was a brilliant header. I just thought his execution of that was fantastic. He went right in the top corner. And Allison is a good goalkeeper, so I thought that was superb. But I have to be honest here, and now my colours to the mask, um, the one moment of the game where I felt more than a little bit sexually aroused was when Mason Mount took quite a long pass and you know, kind of came over and he, he kind of Cruyff-turned it in, in receiving the ball. He Cruyff-turned it and then ran, you know, and absolutely left the two defenders for dead. And and I just thought, wow, that is so brilliant. And then, of course, I think it was uh, Matip fouled him, of course. But that moment was ju- that for me is the definition of a Guinness moment, J.K. It should have been a yellow card as well, of course. Of course, of course, of course. Because after that, yeah, it was. I actually went, oh, yeah. There you go. Definition of a Guinness moment. You you're sexually aroused. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got, and I got a stiffy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, there we go. Like you, you, no better validation can you have than I shall. I shall tweet Mason Mount. Say Mason Mount, uh, when you did that turn, J- J.K. got a stiffy. So well yeah. done you. Um, anyway, who did? So I voted for Mount basically. Uh, Dan, who did you vote for? Mason Mount, Mount, Mount. There we go. J.K. Mount. Yeah. Uh, Clayton. Mount. Exactly. Because. Yeah, because we we know exactly what you know a Guinness moment is. We understand the uh, the fact that you have to be sexually aroused. So my only theory as to why Mount only got forty one percent and Havertz scoring a goal got fifty nine percent is that the oh, people wow. who voted for it on Twitter have never been sexually aroused in their life and therefore don't know what a Guinness moment really entails. Um, that's all I'm saying. He did win us the Champions League, though. Yeah, but not on bloody Saturday, he didn't. No, I know, but the memory is such that everybody loves him. I think they just... It's It's exactly exactly what we need, Chidge. They don't understand the difference between... You know, goals are great, but it's those little moments in a match which make you go, oh, you know, I actually thought at the time, I thought, oh, he's headed it across. Is somebody going to head it? Oh, it's gone in. I didn't go, go, oh. Anyway, I mean, I even put a bloody clip of Mason Mount doing that just to give them the hint that they needed, and they still ignored it. People out there voting in the fannies, do better. All right, do better. Not good enough. All right, rant over. Uh, Okay, so talking of doing better, JK. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. It's time for the Premier Predictions League, the Chelsea Fancast Premier Predictions did, I do, did I do badly, Chief? JK, to quote your own hero, Terry Thomas, you had an absolute stinker. <laughs> absolute stinker. I know I did very badly. I know. Just okay. rub, my, rub my nose in it. Okay. Why don't you? Should we start with the worst and then work our way up? Yes. There is some consolation for you, by the way. There is none. Okay, there isn't much. Uh, you are bottom of the pile after three weeks. You are 73rd. We've got 73 people in the league this season. It's doubled after last year. Anyway, yeah, you're bottom of the league, mate. Uh, you It don't know what you did, but uh, you, you had 12 points and you are now bottom with 62 points. And you had you had 6-0 for City-Arsenal. I mean, I thought that was going to come off at one stage and that would have been hilarious, but I don't know. So there we go. But anyway, um, you're not alone, JK. No, uh, because Tony Glover is in uh, 64th place uh, with 168 points. Uh, and actually, weirdly, uh, I mean, who would ever thought that ever hear of a Chidge Glover Pat Nevin sandwich? 
No, I, well, me, me neither. That's very sexual. It is, isn't it? Um, I mean, you know, I think Pat Nevin probably would have given me the most Guinness moments, you know, when he was playing. But weirdly, uh, I am in 62nd place, having an absolute stinker uh, with 197 points. Pat is in 63rd with 192, and Glover is 64 with 168. Um, okay, the other fan casters, uh, Dane Whittle, 52 with 238 points. Dean Mears, 41 with 265 Mark Meehan is 39 with 271 points now just above Mark are Canners who was having an absolute stinker last week but he's he's had one good week right he got 180 odd points and he's leapt up the table he's now in 36 with 274 points and just above him in 34th who's very happy about this because he was having a stinker too is Kerry uh, he's uh, in 34th position. He's got 279 points. And I tell you what, Kerry is determined to win this. And if he can't win it, beat all of us. And if he can't beat all of us, beat beat Pat and Canners. So he's going to be very happy. Um, for us, the, the the two, of course, what a surprise. They're doing really, really well like they did last year. Martin Wickham is in 20th with 326 points. And Mark Worrell, Marco, is in third with 465 points. So there you go. Now, uh, that means that the winner, again, and this is this is brilliant. Luke Withers is still top. He got a whopping 280 points this week. He's He's got 631 points. Now, not only is Luke leading, you know, he's, he's top of our league, the Chelsea Fancast League. He's top of the whole damn thing. Wow. Yeah, he's huh. top of the whole damn thing. And there's like thousands of people that play this. Lot about thirty different I don't know how many different leagues like ours, but lots of them. Luke is leading the whole damn shebang. And as a result of that, Luke has been uh, awarded the manager of the month of the whole thing for August. So he'll be getting a bottle of uh, single malt twelve year old Glenfiddich, I think. So well done, Luke. <laughs> really impressive stuff, mate. Um just a couple of other notable mentions. Uh Glenn Fuller, he's in eleventh he had a whopping 205 points this week. Sorry, plus, I think, plus another 60, maybe. I don't know. So he's gone up to 11th. And Lord Shuttler is in 27th. He got 252 points. So they're big climbers. So really good work. I mean, the thing is, is that the fifth the fifth placed person is the person that contributes to the mini leagues tournament. Because there's like a separate tournament for the league. We were top of the mini leagues last week, but we're, we're, we've gone down a bit this week. So it all counts. So, Jonathan, you and I and Glover need to seriously pull our socks up. Yeah, we need, to, we need to get our act together, we don't do. we? We do. We need to do better. But it's yeah. bloody hard, mate, isn't it? Well, I was almost right. I almost got 5-0. I know. I know. You weren't far out. All right. We're going to have a quick break. And then when we do uh, come back, we're going to have, we've got, I think, about five emails, all crackers. And we will see you in a sec. Crackers. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, part four. We're now back to part four. Who could have, who would have thought it? There's lots to talk about this week, largely because we've got a whole load of emails that came in. So we're going to read them out uh, right now. And uh, JK is going to do that. But before that, we've got Clayton, 
Hello, Clayton. Hello. We've got Dan Silver. Hello. There we go. So we're caught. Uh, JK, uh, first email, please. It's from Mark Waldridge. Dear Chidge, I've been a regular listener to the fan cast for a number of years. You, Jonathan, and your regular Chelsea fan pundits guests are brilliant. Yeah, chaps, you're brilliant. Keep up the fantastic work. Though this year I also ventured into the Prem Predictions League of the fan cast. Well, you'll be above me then. I'm languishing in joint 53rd, languishing in joint 53rd place. You're doing uh, 20 above me on 129 points. I'm inquiring whether I could be kindly added to the match day discord group. Does that allow him access, Chidge? Yes, automatic. If, you, if you've if you joined the Premier League Predictions League with us, um, we've got like a, a chat room facility in our Discord group specifically for the Premier League predictions. So we all get in there while the other matches are going on and laugh at each other for getting it horribly wrong. And it's great fun. And I've already uh, given Mark the link. Mark, good stuff. My input on the fan cast tonight is I feel as a club are on the verge of something very special with this manager. Absolutely agree, Mark. Tuchel has brought a real calmness to the club on the field as well as off. A manager not at war with the board, a manager not making outlandish transfer requests, but at the same time getting what he wants. No press sniping at us, though the usual TV pundits find it difficult to heap praise when deserved. With the press corps hanging on his, on his every word, he always seems to say the right thing at the right time. Here's to a winning and trophy-laden season up the Chelsea. Mark Waldridge. Well, I think you're saying, Mark, exactly what we've been talking about, and we agree with you absolutely, completely. So we're all, we're all, um, what's the expression? We're all reading from the same hymn book. We are indeed, or singing from the same song sheet. Oh, there we are, that's it. Singing from the same hymn book. Sorry. So there we go. Uh, Mark, you're in 32nd place this week, so you've shot up again. So well done, you. And I look forward to chatting uh, with you in Discord. Uh, right, this is from John Keppel, and this, this came via Patreon. Uh, and John says, greetings all. Uh, what a fantastic game today. 1-1 away at Liverpool. Would have preferred a win rather than a draw, but the play from both sides was very good and it was a very entertaining game. Uh, nail bite in the second half, but the Chels held the line and defended brilliantly. Carefree wherever we may be. I feel bad for Rhys James, but I do believe the ref got the call right. Rhys did seem to deliberately push the ball with his arm. I'm fairly certain it was an instinctive reflexive move, but deliberate, not accidental. Anyway, I just wanted to say hi and introduce myself. I'm an American living in North Virginia, west of Washington, D.C. I've been a Chelsea fan since September 2000 when I was lucky enough to be invited by a mate from work to watch Chelsea play St. Gallen of Switzerland in a Champions League group stage draw at Stamford Bridge. I've been following the club since... And I've raised a family of crazy Blues fans too. I've got two grandkids who cheer on the Blues on match days with their dad and my daughter and their mother. I'm a member of the Great Chelsea in America, CIA, and local Beltway Blues supporters group. I've been listening to the Chelsea fancast for at least eight years now, loving all of it. I remember Dr. Mark, the old celery and Guinness moment, stats from Chelsea chatter, the benches, ETC... The podcasts have helped me feel a part of the wonderful Chelsea community around the world. It's so great to hear all of the stories from Chidge and the Fancast gang and also to hear the letters and stories of other listeners. The recent 50 years of Chelsea pods are absolutely brilliant. Keep up the good work, Chidge, JK, Dean, Mark, Martin, Tony, Alex, Marco, Dan, Clayton. This post is very long overdue, but that's enough for now. As always, keep it blue, keep it carefree and... Up the shows! Very good. Very no, good. you just you missed it out. You're supposed to be keep it Chelsea, then up the Chelsea. No, he he got it wrong, not me. 
I only okay. re- I read what he wrote. I know, but I was hoping you would add the bit on. No, well, I forgot. As I told you, I can't do it unless it's written down. If I, right. I don't know the words, so I write them down. Uh, anyway, uh, all the best. John K, a.k.a. CFC Blue Cap. John, brilliant to hear from you. And thanks for being a Patreon. We really, really appreciate it. Um, how weird. I've just realised I've... Ah, right. It's not Mark Waldridge. It's Mark Delavelle. Sorry, sorry, JK. I forgot to change the title. This is the third one. It's from Mark Delavelle. Um, yes, at the bottom there. Uh, good evening, everyone. May I say, good evening, everyone. May I say it's fantastic. That was Richie Benner. Good morning, say, everyone. Morning, everyone. May I say it's fantastic. To have you. I think that goes into rubbish. That, no, that was a good one. I, Clayton's okay. giggling, so that, that's, that's a good sign. No, it's, yeah, it's uh, morning, everyone. Morning, everyone. <laughs> that's better. That's better. That was better, yeah. Um, may I say it's fantastic to have you all back in the Chelsea fancast. In fact, particularly the two absolute legends that are Stamford Chidge and Jonathan Kidd. Oh, Mark. Oh, oh, it's a quid I owe you. You'll do such fantastic work on every show. It's always worth listening to. No, no, Chidge does the work. I'm just a, I'm a succubus. What a result on Saturday. The performance from the first whistle to the last was superb. You cannot fault the team at all. Even Rhys James, who was as impressive as always before he was sent off. To keep Liverpool that restricted in the second half, was an absolute masterclass. Yes, it was. Absolutely right, Mark. It showed the team's ever-growing maturity. They defended like a team with a real calmness and composure. It was a performance that reminded me of a special night in the new cap, the new cap in 2012. I thought Liverpool played a good game too, but they were helped out by some poor refereeing from Anthony Taylor. Yes, who quite conveniently lost his yellow card every time Fabinho was in the vicinity of our players or when the Liverpool players moaned about every decision that went against them. But as soon as Rudiger and Mandi opened their mouths, Mr Taylor stuffed a yellow card down their throats. Referees are meant to be fair, aren't they? Well, it seems that every time Anthony Taylor referees Chelsea, he always gives a major decision against us. For example, when we played Tottenham at their new stadium, Alonso went through, got clattered by the goalkeeper. Mr Taylor, in his wisdom, gave a free kick to Spurs. It took VAR to point out that Alonso was fouled. Honestly, he does my head in because I always feel that he's against us. What does everyone think? Well, I think we spent several minutes talking about what we thought, Mark. Uh, Marco, I should say. Um, what is every, um, one final point I'd like to make is I always feel that when things do go wrong, then the players and Tuchel will always know what to do. Whereas under the old regime, I feel that we would have lost the game on Saturday because we would have caved in. Yeah, I agree. I feel the same when the media talk about the opposition, how dangerous they are, that Thomas Tuchel will have a plan to completely nullify our opponents. This gives me every confidence we can push on and wig the, win, wig the, I was going to say, win the big competitions this year. What does everyone think? All the best and keep the blue flag flying high, Marco Delavelle. Yeah, I think we we've 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 covered that as well, haven't we? Really, I think we're um, we're uh, we're we're going to we're going to we're going to win massive stuff this year. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I I think we're all concordant on that one, and and for the same reasons why. Lovely email, Marco. I think you 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 summed it up beautifully. Uh, right, this is. I think this is from Steve, but knowing my scripting from yesterday, it could could be from anybody. No, it is definitely from Steve from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, right, he says, "Dear Chiz, Jonathan, and esteemed and wise guest, he must have known that uh, Dan and Clayton were on tonight." There we go. Very prescient of him. Anyway, uh, I've been a loyal listener for years, and this is my second email. Like everyone else, I'm full of hope for the upcoming season and beyond. I hope you can discuss a few things I noticed on Saturday that have not been mentioned in the media as far as I know. Perhaps you've already covered these in the show, but I'm very interested in your opinions. 
In the 35th minute counter-attack, Havertz was open and begging for the ball. Instead, Lukaku passed to Mason. Then Mason could have passed to Kai for a tap-in instead of shooting. We could have been ahead by two goals to nil. Just before the red card, Mondi had a straightforward catch to make. Instead, he and Alisson, uh, Alisson, he and Alonso came together and the ball was dropped. The red card could have been avoided and we would have only... Sorry, we would have won by at least 3-0. He's adding in Kovacic's very poor attempt. Uh, I certainly don't mean, mean to be negative. Things are looking very bright. The whole team played a marvellous game, but there is always room for improvement. Thank you and keep up the good work. Steve from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, well done, Steve, because I, I, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about all this earlier, but actually it's a really good point about how well Lukaku, uh, Havertz and Mount are, are are working together. And I mean, what I would first say on this is that you can't judge them on, on, uh, on the second half because... It was all about the defence and trying to hit them on the break, which they almost did a couple of times. But I think I think what I would also I think I agree with you. I think there were there are more than two occasions where they just didn't find the right final pass. I mean, I agree with you. Mount perhaps could have squared it to Kai uh, and Lukaku certainly earlier on as well. Uh, but I, I'm not worried. I'm really not worried because I mean they've played three games together so far. It's early days. They will. It will take time for them to gel. But I'm. I'm convinced. I'm absolutely positive that gel they will, because they are good players. They are very, very good players. They just need to get that that understanding. Kerry always says this to me. Kerry Dixon always says this to me that, you know, you have got when you when you play in an attack with two or three players, you you got to sit down and figure out where it is you like to run to. Are you a back post person or a near post person? Do you like it played to feet or do you like to be played just before so you can run on? All of these things will not happen immediately. They have to get that understanding together and they will. That's why they train. The more games they play, the better they will get. And the reason they will get better is because they're all fucking good players. I have no doubt about that. Clayton? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's an interesting point because I think it happened a couple of times in the Arsenal game as well where we could have finished them off and there were sort of the wrong decisions made. It's quite interesting, actually, because I, I tend to notice that the ball doesn't get played to habits um, as much as it should. He's running off the ball is outstanding and, and, and we're not finding him. Um, obviously, you can only judge the 45 minutes, but the the letter is, is spot on or the email is spot on because we should have we we could and should have been out of sight so the penalty shouldn't have actually mattered we should have certainly been two up yeah um but that's the way it is and as you say it, it's it's so new um and it, is this the combination is this the, is this the three that he's going to continue to pick who knows i don't know so but it seems to be his preferred three and and you and can't actually forget how much we paid uh, for Kai Havertz. And, and so that is not somebody who's going to, I suspect, spend a lot of time on the bench. Mm. I think it's 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 um, Werner's death now, I'm afraid. Uh, I mean, Havertz he'll, he'll, he'll get game time. He'll get game time. He'll, he'll still end up with a decent season. He'll, he'll play off Lukaku for certain games. I think he'll come good. He's, you know, he's, 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 he's intelligent. He's bright. He just needs... Off the big man, we're not seeing him play with Lukaku yet, so you can't judge him just yet. Got to see how he does. I mean, one thing, one thing I would add to this is, I thought it was really interesting that uh, Tuchel took 
uh, Havertz off at half time. So effectively, you know, Kante had to go off because he was injured, but Havertz came off. He was the he was the the striker that was sacrificed because we had to to to, to rejig it with ten men. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I thought what was interesting about it was that he he clearly saw Havertz as as an auxiliary striker still, you know, not a midfielder, you know, because he kept Mount on. Because he knows that Mount will go back and he'll tackle and he'll do all this. So <clears throat> I just thought it was really interesting where he sees Havertz. And I think maybe he sees Havertz, in, not in all games, I'm sure. I mean, you know, we we talked about this on Friday, the benefit of having two big lumps. I mean, it's hard to call Havertz a big lump, but he's a tall, big bloke. But having two big blokes playing up front effectively against, you know, Van Dyke and, Ma- and Matip and, and the handful that that would be for them. Um, but as I said, I just thought it was an interesting point that Havertz got taken off and he was the one who, sacrificed. Who else could he have taken off, though, Chu? Well, in, well he, he wasn't going to take Lukaku off, but he could have taken uh, Mount off. I mean, yeah, the, the choice is you, you had to take somebody off from the front three. So it was either going to be Lukaku, Havertz or Mount. And as I said, I think Mount stayed on because of his ability to get back and, and, and tackle and press and all of those things and win the ball back. Lukaku, you know... There are, I think there are a few better strikers in the world are playing uh, the lone role up front uh, and holding the ball up, and he, he proved that. I mean, so do, can I can I just be controversial and say that I don't actually think he did that very well? No, I, I don't think he did, but I don't think he got much chance really. I mean, it was all it was all back to the wall defending, wasn't it, for most of that game? It, it 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 was, but I thought there was more than one occasion where the ball sort of bounced off of him rather than him sort of holding them up. Listen, you you. You, you're sort of, you know, you're a man down. It's it's like him against three central defenders. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just thought he could have done a bit better. But ultimately, you know, as a team, we drew. So, it, I, think, it, I think what he did was he, he occupied the centre-backs, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Matip and um, Van Dijk. And what he did was that allowed that our defensive team go one one against one. Because there was three behind the ball. And then there was, you know, we, there, there was no spare man, so to speak, for... Um, for Liverpool, because you saw that every time he got near Matic, the Lukaku rolled him or had the, the, the you know the, the better of the, the battles, and it, it, what Lukaku did was just to stop stop Liverpool having a spare man. It did, and and I mean you know I, I'm kind of with with Clayton to a degree. I, I I don't think he handled it brilliantly, but it doesn't really matter because you know he he was there to do a job, and I think the other thing, it, other than occupying them, Dan, if if Lukaku just stayed up really really high. Yeah, it stopped them from pressing and compressing the space, and basically that that would have been really hard for us to to deal with. I think it kept them at arm's length as well in a way. So I think I think he I mean he did what he had to do, and I think he did that very well. But I agree, you know, he perhaps could have held it up better. But I mean, we still had a couple of counter attacking goal chances, so it wasn't all all bad. Right, J.K. Last email for you is the, our mate Nana Nana Yaboa. May I just ask though? Can I ask Steve from Baltimore? the definitive pronunciation of M-A-R-Y-L-A-N-D, because you said Maryland, and I was under the impression it was Maryland. You say and tomato, I, I say tomato. Indeed, indeed, but I'd like to know, because I've actually been taken to task by an American for saying Maryland, and say, what is it with you Brits? Maryland. Um, yeah, Maryland. Um, yeah. But is it is it Maryland? Is that the way? I'll tell you Maryland. what it is with us Brits. We invented the fucking English language, which you lot yeah. speak over there or As try say, to. Speak fucking English. Yeah. You better speak fucking English. Anyway, Maryland's for crabs. Or is okay. it for lovers? I'm never sure which. Uh, neither, I think, isn't it? 
I don't know. I've never been to to Maryland. Maryland, I think it is. Maryland. I've had the, I've had the chicken from there. It's really nice. It is. I've yeah. had chicken from there as well. Oh, yes. Isn't that where the cookies come from? Maryland cookies. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wonderful place. Oh. Wonderful place. I've, al- I've always thought it was Mary, but Maryland. Oh, I, I thought don't. that's where all the Marys lived. It could be. A anyway, land of Marys. Indeed. Uh, Nanny Yaboa? Good old Nana. Hello, everyone. To start, I thought it was a brilliant second-half performance to limit Liverpool to only long-range and mid-range shots, which Mondi handled very well. It's fair to say Liverpool couldn't even score against the Chelsea side with a man down. I still cannot understand, unless I'm proven wrong in the next weeks, why the blame of Chelsea not scoring enough goals last season was all attributed to Timo Werner. Of course, he can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. Hooray! Just as Mr. Chief always says. But it's clear that our attacking problems go deeper than that. For example, Man City beat mediocre Arsenal 5-0. Do you know why? It's because they don't panic in the penalty area so they can be precise enough to score as many goals based on the chances they create within their game. We only beat Arsenal 2-0. Ooh. And every Chelsea supporter out there will tell you we should have scored more. We should have done. Yes, Lukaku, Bullard, Mari and Holding. But our attack that day was as wasteful and blunt as it was in the Liverpool game. Oh, my goodness me. I'm not having uh, that. Yeah. stuff. Something's just wrong with our players' preciseness, precision even, when they get into the box. There's either a rush to shoot, which ends up in a... There's either a rush to shoot, which ends up in a scuffed shot, in the case of Werner and Mount multiple times, or a failure to pass the ball when a pass is on to let someone through on goal. We could have been 3-0 up or even more before all the madness happened. That's true. At the end of the first half, it's something Tuchel has to work on. I agree, because it could be the stumbling block to us winning something this season. It's good to hear a voice of dissent, Now I end with questions. Whose fault led to the mess that caused the pen and the red card? Oh, Havertz was just watching... Alonso and Mondi failed to deal with the ball in the box. Can someone explain the rules? Should be laws, actually. How it applies. When I was refing, the, uh, the the teacher used to say, they're not rules, Jonathan, they're laws. And how it applies to a situation like that without a Chelsea lens. Although I know we all hate Anthony Taylor from the bottom of our hearts. As always, thanks for all the good work you do. Nana, Michigan, US. Is it Michigan or Michigan? Oh, no. Michigan. No, it's, it's, it's Michael again. It's Mike, Mike again. Well, it's, 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 it's Michigan. It's Michigan. <laughs> anyway, but that was good. That's a good mail, isn't it? Because he's come at a different angle. Uh, yeah, I agree with you to an extent. We we didn't. We weren't precise enough. We didn't. Um, we should have been 2 nil up. We discussed that or 3 nil up. And yes, but I think they'll get it right. I think that they will work on that. That is what Lukaku's been purchased for. And I, I, I think it will get better. But you're absolutely right. But he's, he, he, he's also right in that you, we can't just stick the blame at... Uh... At Werner, because Mount misses a lot of chances. I don't Havertz... think we ever did. I don't think we no, ever did. No, no, but Mount, they all, he's right about that. We're, we're, they're all culpable. Um, yeah. and, and Tuchel indeed has always said this, and that is exactly the word he uses. We not, we're not precise enough. We need more precision, because yeah. we had a whole yeah. podcast called Precision uh, Whatever <laughs> is Through Technology or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, the bottom line is, on, on a broad level, Nana, I agree with you, but... Um, I think, you know, what you've got to recognise is that these players are not robots. They're not automatons. This is not FIFA 20. They are human and therefore they are fallible and they will make mistakes. That's what fallible humans do. Uh, Hands up all around the people on the podcast who have never made a mistake. 
Oh, nobody's putting their hat. Well, Clayton's Clayton's fibbing. We all make mistakes, you know, and footballers are no different. And sometimes you just need to give them a bit of latitude, um, you know. And and I don't give a stink about oh, well, the professionals are supposed to do that. Professionals make mistakes too. Um, I I I I hear what you're saying, and I I don't disagree with it entirely, but I think. Don't worry. I think it will get better. I'm, I, we cannot have a season like last season where we created so many chances and just singularly failed to put them away. I just think that that was a weird season. And if I'm wrong, Nana, uh, I will give you a present at the end of the season. So there you go. Right. Anybody else want to comment on that? Nah. Nah. Done and dusted. Right, okay. Well, we are done and dusted too, actually, because that is all we've got time for tonight. Yes. Uh, Now, as you know, uh, we all now face the purgatory of an international break, so there will be no preview show this Friday, and there will be no uh, normal kind of Monday Chelsea fancast next week. However, we do plan to continue our much-loved 50 Years of Chelsea series with 1997-98 this Friday and 1998-99 next Monday if I manage to have the time to do the enormous amount of work it takes to create these programmes. So that's my plan. It could all go tits up, but that is most definitely my plan. So there we go. Get that one in your diaries, people. Uh, now, don't forget to check out Dean's Went to Mo King's Meadow podcast on the Chelsea FC women's team. Uh, another one will be out this week, I'm sure. And, of course, we are we and that are available as podcasts to download on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as other not-so-good podcast distributors. But there you go. Now, you may have heard me uh, refer to Patreon a few times tonight. We do have a Patreon uh platform i suppose you call it uh which is basically uh where people uh donate uh, a certain amount of money every month uh which does help uh, cover the you know runnings of this uh, this here little show which is lovely of you to do there's no pressure i mean really i love you all the same whether you become a patreon or not um and i really don't expect you to be denoting loads of things we don't have tears or anything like that everybody's treated equally um and i always say that you know it's a bit like the fanzine you know only a pound you know, uh, so any anything you like, really, it all helps. So it's lovely if you do. I mean, you do get a few benefits. I mean, I'm not one of these people that will be putting up podcast, you know, paid for podcasts or podcasts you can only get by being a Patreon member. Far too much bother for me to do that. Just like stick it all out, listen to it or don't listen to it. But I do occasionally, I am occasionally known to wander in there and say hello. Uh, but the big thing is really that um, if you want one, and you join up to be a patron, you can get a Kerry Dixon mini banner. So a replica of the banner that's in the Matthew Harding end uh, celebrating Kerry Dixon is 193 goals. Uh, I might try and get to sign a few if I can. But also you automatically become a member of our Discord chat group, which uh, is great fun. Lots of people in there. And it's a jolly good wheeze, as they used to say back in the 50s. So there you go. Join Patreon if you want. I'll love you to pieces if you do. Now, the other thing, of course, is... Uh, as you've heard this week, we've had a few emails in this week. So if you want to send an email in, we'll always try and read it. You can send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com or if you're a Patreon member, put it up there or Instagram or tweet me, however you want to communicate. But email is best because then I can just print it off, put it in the script and off we jolly well go. Can I say what a good uh, platform it is for discussion, the emails? Because we had some really nice 
chats about the emails. I think it's a really good uh, fact that we're getting somebody else's view or they're agreeing with us, but we can then discuss that, the four of us. I think it works really well. I totally agree. And the quality of the emails is always has always it's been superb really on here, excellent. hasn't it? Always. Excellent. Yeah. Just show, I mean, this is the thing I like about it. We set ourselves up to do a bloody show talking, waffling about Chelsea's if we know what we're talking about. What I love about the emails is it proves that everybody who listens to this show knows what they're talking about. And I mean, we're, we're not we're not necessarily more knowledgeable than them. We just had the gumption to go up here and do it. And I think that's that's it's a very democratizing thing. And I, I love that about it. So, I agree, yeah. JK, and and I love I love hearing JK read them out because he's you know where else would you get the the the, the country's best voice over artist reading emails out on a football show? <laughs> you know, you just wouldn't unless you paid them a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Checks in the post, JK. Anyway, uh, been a great show tonight. Really enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Cheers, Jonathan at Jonathan Kid, Clayton at Goldie59, and Dan at Dan Silves73. And of course, we're Chelsea Fancast on Instagram, Facebook, and everywhere else. Uh, it's been brilliant. Dan, always lovely to see you, my friend. Cool. Thank you for having me. It's been good fun as always. Mm, lots to talk about tonight. It's been, been a lot of fun. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Uh, Clayton, the housewife's choice and, and the fan cast favourite. Uh, always lovely to see you and uh, hear your views on everything. Always a very erudite uh, contributor to this show. You're very kind. Absolutely lovely to see everyone. Mm. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's great. Our club's in such a great place at the moment. It's lovely to talk about them. Yeah, isn't it just? It's a real joy at the moment. Uh, JK, as ever, delight to see your little face on a Monday and a Friday, or, or even a Tuesday and a Friday. And a treat of a show, this fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it's been fun, been fun, really enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, you lot out at Mixler, you, have, as always, have been uh, superb, as always. I'm sorry I haven't managed to uh, include much of your comments in tonight because we've been so busy rap- rabbiting on ourselves, but I do kind of occasionally glance and nod approvingly but as ever lovely to see you in here right we gotta go thanks for listening see you next week until then keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it chels Eine Frage. Wie schnell war der Aufschlag? 150 km/h. Wie lang war der Drive? 229 Meter. Wie lange hast du geschlafen? Oh, 7 Stunden 54 Minuten. Letzte Frage. Trainierst du deinen Körper und deinen Geist mit der Achtsamkeit? Ja, genau das mache ich. Wir alle haben Fragen und die neue Apple Watch Series 7 hat die Antworten auf dem bisher größten und fortschrittlichsten Display. Die Zukunft der Gesundheit am Handgelenk. Lieferengpässe möglich. Erfordert ein iPhone 6s oder neuer App aus dem App Store, Abo erforderlich.